listeners, thank you for tuning in again. I'm stoked to have another individual that I've stolen from the tattoo shop. <laughs> I've had conversations with clients before, but there's only been a couple where it like just goes, <laughs> like it goes from, hi, I'm this and that, and I do this, and then I throw in podcasts, and then it's just like, yeah, it's like conversation after conversation. Yeah. Other people are like, that's gross. Oh. Podcasts are boring as fuck. No, I think it's fun. <laughs> I think it's fun and interesting. I don't know. We got to do something during this, you know, year three of COVID. <laughs> yeah. God, year three. Year three, yeah. Well, let's get away from that. So yeah. <laughs> thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Um, now, you, you're from California yep. originally. Yep. And what part? Well, originally born and raised in Orange County, the Orange Curtain. Oh, yeah. Um, but- Middle class, not like rich class. We were very poor growing up. And then um, once I graduated from fashion college, I moved to L.A. And then um, once I realized after having a kid, everything's on fire all the time and it's super fucking expensive. And this is a terrible place to raise kids. We're like, we should think about leaving. And then... Um, Jeremy has a very, my husband Jeremy, he has a very um, big family. He's one of five kids. And his younger brother, um, they lived in Nicaragua for a year to help children. Um, Before we dive too deep into that, because all of that is very fascinating. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. My husband has a very interesting life. (laughs) I've met, I think, maybe one other person who's gone to fashion school. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I guess... There's really not like a big fashion industry in Minnesota. There's only two companies that mm. I know of, and one is in Duluth, Maurice's, which is like oh yeah, and there's another one in Minneapolis, which everyone knows their favorite brand and company, Target. That's it. Yep. Oh my god. Those are like the major companies, um, and that's just from my experience. My bread and butter in the fashion industry is denim. Okay. So that's like what I know how to build and make and do, specifically overseas. Um, What I love about the company that I work for now is that everything is made in the USA. Fabrics are sourced. Trims are sourced. We build everything in the U.S. And you can come to us and be like, hey, I have this great idea. I want to make, you know... I can't really talk about other people's projects. (laughs) I want to make, I don't know, like a sock with a pocket in it so I can put lighters and money. This is something that I'm not working. This is something I just pulled out of my ass right now. I'm thinking, I'm like, this is actually a really cool idea. It's genius. I want to make a sock with a pocket in it so I can put my lighter, my cash, my credit card, whatever I want in it. And like, I can go to like, you know, a festival. Like, what's that big one? Coachella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would there. be cool to have like a yeah. Velcro option where you can make sure that it's fastened. Too. Yeah. Well, I guess what I would do would probably make it like a little envelope pocket. So it has like a, a pocket on the top that tucks into a pocket on the bottom. So you have to like go yeah. up and in and then like kind of like stays in there all snug and tight. Now I'm like, I'm if gonna... it's a tube sack, though, what I'm saying is that you could if you roll them up. Oh, yeah. Then you could Velcro them to, for the extra protection. Are the, are the in case... case ferrets try to get in there, you know, ferrets. Yeah. Okay. You didn't know there's a huge ferret problem in Coachella? I've been to Coachella once and I did not <laughs> see a ferret. <laughs> okay. Do not recommend. Don't go to Coachella. <laughs> I hated it. You're very good at like, you have a, like a very good train of thought when it comes to like 
this step up, 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 yeah. um, but let's, let's take it back further. Okay. So you got into fashion. Yes. Like, do you remember like being a kid? Were you enamored with, um, like beauty pageants and shit like that? Or was it more no. magazines and no, Oh no, I was never really into like the closest I got to falling in love with with fashion was watching like the skaters and the figure skaters in the Winter Olympics. Oh wow. And I'm like, oh those are pretty. But I was never like I'm gonna make that. Or like I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I was never into like my mom will say I was a pretty princess. <laughs> my dad will say I was a tomboy. I remember more like my mom will even like argue with everybody saying like, no, she would never she never wanted to wear pants. <laughs> she always had to wear a dress. I don't remember that. I remember feeling uncomfortable in dresses and always wanting to wear pants. So I don't know where maybe she's thinking of another kid. Um, but for me, I think it got to a point in high school where like I was not necessarily hanging out with the nice crowd. I was smoking a lot of weed and skipping, <laughs> you know, skipping school. And so I got grounded for like forging notes to, you know, you have to like sign those yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, whatever. So I, did, I had a lot of downtime. Like my parents like took away the door to my room. They <laughs> took away like my CD player. They took away like my little tube TV that had like the VHS oh, player. Wow. I was like grounded for like a month and a half. And you know, when you're in high school, that's like, oh, the world is ending. You're killing my social life, mom. It's forever. Yeah, it's forever. <laughs> it's really not. But so I and my mom growing up, she would always sew us like matching outfits as three girls i don't have any brothers so i'm the youngest of three girls oh okay so we like for family pictures we have like matching sweaters or dresses or something that my mom sewed us and i hated the sound of the sewing machine i <laughs> thought it was the devil it was too loud it was too noisy like it just it had needles it was weird and like very foreign. I still think sewing machines are the spawn of satan anything mechanical <laughs> i'm like i'm pretty sure that's spawned by well, satan well dude when they jam it's like my, I'm just going to throw this in the garbage now. Yeah, right? Because how am I going to get the fucking thread back in there? Exactly. <laughs> so when I was grounded, what I would do is I would take my mom's curtains and I would cut them up. And I would take like old pair of jeans and cut them up and I would make a dress out of it. Or I would take, I don't know, some like random pieces of fabric that we had or like go into my grandma's closet that she had like all these like really vintage old stuff. And she's like, oh yeah, sure, you can cut this up and do whatever. And like... I would just sew everything by hand. I made my own homecoming dress. I made like this really weird like jean dress that had like all these like gourd panels from my mom's curtains. <laughs> it was like really weird. Um, I made I, and then I got smart and I went to Joanne's and I started using those patterns and then I just kind of started experimenting with that. But everything was by hand at that point. And then um by this time, I was like a senior in high school, and they're like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to be a bartender. And they're like, mm. <laughs> And then my dad came to like speak with the career counselor and me. They're like, we want something better for you. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I really don't. And my boyfriend at the time and my mom, they're like, well, you like sewing. You're really good at fashion. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> 
And then I just sort of went in that direction. So I went to fashion school, graduated, and then got into the apparel industry and realized that there was more than just runway. I was really concerned because like, I'm not mm. I'm not really someone that like I like fashion, but I don't like fashion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Are you more of like streetwear versus No, I I don't even think it's that. Like I think I can just appreciate the process of having an idea and all of the steps it takes to get that idea to get it in the store. Oh, okay. I'm more about that process than the fashion, like being fashionably, like doing the research and making sure, like getting the right color, like all of that's good and grand, but I'm more about the process yeah. and appreciating that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, it's so- kind of entrepreneurial entrepreneurial yeah (laughs) so it's not so like i actually have my degree in fashion design but what i really should have done was apparel manufacturing Mm. because i like the manufacturing side of things and my mentor i like we're we're really close and she's been like my boss at you know a handful of different companies oh (laughs) shit yeah she's known me like right when i was she actually got me my first job in a bigger company i worked in a few other smaller companies before but yeah she's she's amazing and she's like seen me as like a little baby like designer to like what i am now and we still talk every once in a while and she's amazing and she's funny and you know she was she's everything that i wanted to be like she had really good sense of design but she also also like understood the process and i don't know we just got along really well too is there any way to stop companies from making those jeans with the, like a Florida Georgia line jean with the cross on the back oh. and the bedazzled for every? Oh, yeah. Like, what was it? Affliction and Ed Hardy. Oh, <laughs> oh God. I used to work on those brands, too. <laughs> I feel those... like every, like, new country artist. Yeah. Like... Those were not. Ugh. Yeah. That was not like a. That was not my favorite part of the career. In my, in my <laughs> denim career, was working on those. I hated. Not my faves. So California, there's this perception of like classism and um, the public school system versus private school system, and like how there. It feels like everyone assumes that like the click concept was like born of the California, like, separations of individuals? Like, you know, like, the movie standards of, like, what high school is supposed to be like. I think a lot of that did take place in L.A. And I'm basically thinking of Clueless when I think of classism. And in my high school, we, I think what we were known for was second-rate football team and also having, like, what was it called? The El Toro 100? Like, the staircase that all skateboarders Oh, my... Are you serious? Yeah, El Toro High School. That was my high school. No fucking way. Yeah. Well, rollerblading community, I'm gonna... (laughs) This one little clip, that's so fucking funny. Yeah. El Toro is absolutely legendary. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And I was kind of aware of that going into high school. I mean, I definitely had a few crushes on some skateboarders. (laughs) Tony Tave, if you're out there. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, Dude, like the biggest names in almost every extreme sport have gone to that spot yeah. to try and do at least one trick. So it's yeah, so funny. 
I definitely okay. My I have a funny story about that staircase. <laughs> First day freshman year, I was wearing a plaid skirt and these like black I don't know high shoes I don't know, and I took one step and just ate it. Oh, fell no. all the way fucking down El Toro 100 whatever I don't know Ooh. and there was like a group of guys at the top just like laughing their asses off at me and I was so <laughs> embarrassed I'm like I'm just gonna like I'm just gonna crawl into a hole and just stay here for the rest <laughs> of my four years of my school so you've you've felt our pain yes you're one of us I felt every step <laughs> <laughs> it's painful in a plaid skirt, even. <laughs> That's crazy. So uh, your high school experience, I mean, so relatively normal then in comparison to... Yeah, I think so. I I try to be friends with everybody, which I don't know if everybody loved. Like, I, I there were definitely cliques. There was, like, the Cholo clique. There was, you know, the, the punks, the burnouts, the, like band nerds the drama geeks you know the jocks which the jocks were not the most popular i don't really i don't really think there was a popular crowd Uh to be honest with you um at least not in my eyes and so they were more like districts yeah yeah (laughs) i guess so and i was friends with probably just about everybody except for the jocks and the cheerleaders, but no one really cared about them, to be honest with you. At least I feel like they didn't. <laughs> I, you know what? I take that back. Probably the most popular people were like the people in, um, not PAL, but like ASB. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like that student body association. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Because they would always get elected for like prom queen and king or whatever. It was always somebody. Because in... they would rig the elections. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they were always the ones selling the tickets to prom too. Exactly. They were like, we're going to flip the script. Yeah. You've finally been outed, guys. Right. 30 years of tradition just down the drain. Yep. But yeah, our school, um, I think there was a lot of weed going around. Mm. I didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> I loved it. And then after I left, they like started installing cameras and they were having more of like a dirtier drug problem, like meth or was like going around. Yeah. I don't know. But that was after I graduated. So I wasn't, I don't know. I'm not hanging out with high school kids anymore <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, and then as far as like the music scene that you were into. Yeah. We oh you know what El Toro did have like um a band thing they would do do they have a battle of the bands I think so it's fucking sick I can't remember what it was called but it was like I remember some kid I had a crush on was like in one of the bands that played oh that was Tom DeLonge of Blink One Eighty Two right I know you know it's funny my sister actually dated a guy that looked like Tra- Travis Barker and I was like oh, I had like a crush on all of my dude, sister's boyfriends I would date Travis Barker no he was kind of a dick though but oh. I would date Travis Barker but you know he's moved on <laughs> to one of the Kardashians so whatever fine 
I mean, easily the coolest of the Kardashians. That's true. Out right? of all of them, I appreciate her the most. I People don't talk about this enough. The, she pulled a baby out of her vagina. She did? Yeah. Yeah, kudos to her. That's fucking painful. It I, was hilarious. I've like, done it twice and it never did. <laughs> my wife used to watch Keeping Up With The Career Shirts. <laughs> and uh, there was a... <laughs> There's a scene, I mean, that, uh, is it Courtney? Yeah, Courtney. So she has like that monotone voice, yeah. which is like really like. And she never smiles because of all the yeah, Botox. Right. Also, just my disposition. Yeah. I just don't really care. But so, yeah, she's giving birth, and obviously they're filming it because filming fucking everything. And the doctor had said like one more push or something, and she just goes, can I pull him out? <laughs> she and fucking she was, would. And the doctor's like, sure. And you could see her like, Grush! it's like, holy fuck. That's badass. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's really something. <laughs> she probably watches pimple popping videos too. How, you know what? I watch pimple popping. You know what I'm really into do. right now? Watching um, like farm animals. Like some guy comes and is like, manicures cow hoofs what? yeah it's like he cleans all like the shit and the dirt like oh there's a nail in there and like gets it out and like yeah. they're all like happy cows afterwards i don't know there's something really satisfying oh. about it and i'm like oh yeah clean that up <laughs> 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 or rug washing <laughs> jeremy and my husband would come home from like work and i'd be like watching a video what do you watch i'm like someone washing a rug <laughs> Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, Kim, that's my wife's name, uh, went to war with this Kool-Aid stain in my son's bedroom <laughs> for like three months. And oh. finally, last week, found like the exact remedy to be able to finally get all of the red out of there. And it yeah. was like, it's funny because, yeah, she was watching a ton of those things. And there is like... I mean, the infomercial style where, like, it goes from fucking dark brown to, like, floor, uh, sales floor white or whatever. Yeah. There is, there's something satisfying about can it. Can I have your wife's number? We can exchange, like, cleaning remedies. <laughs> oh, my God. She would love that. <laughs> um, now, high school is, I mean, when, when you're going through that, like, because we had kind of talked about how your parents grounded you mm. for a month and a half and yeah. took the door off your room. Yeah. Like, were all of your sisters punished in, like, kind of these... No, I, w I... That was probably the most extreme, honestly. And because I was the youngest, they, like, my other two sisters were not really in the house anymore. So they're What's like... What's the, the age difference? I, we're all about two and a half years apart. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when I was a freshman in high school, my oldest sister was a senior in high school. Mm. I think there was only like one year where we all went to the same school. And that was like when I was in elementary school. Sure. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm in, I was in that in that boat, too. I'm one of five boys. Oh, yes. But it's interesting because normally like it's like the punishment is like diluted as the years go on with kids. So it's interesting to hear that like there was that extreme instance where you the first like because normally it's like middle child is like yeah. the uber problem child. Yeah. Um. 
Amber was definitely the favorite, and she got, I feel like, because Amber was the middle child, I feel like she got away with a lot more. Crystal, I felt like my parents were harder on, but in different ways, because she's the oldest and they expected more from her. Mm. But I think in my case, because my other two sisters were already out of the house, and I was... Uh, you know, sneaking out of the house, which I'm sure they were aware of, but they never really addressed until after I graduated from college. Um, but the fact that I was like driving in cars with boys and smoking weed, although my dad was smoking weed too. <laughs> um, and like not coming home when I said I was coming home and skipping school, but skipping school to be with boys. Ah. And, like, also smoking weed before school, which I don't think they necessarily knew about. I think, like, that kind of... You know when, like, kids just kind of pile on a lot of stress and, like, there's just a lot of bad behavior, like, consecutively in a very Mm -hmm. short period of time? I think that's what was happening with me. And they just kind of, like, lost their shit. And they're like... We're going to take all this stuff away from you because they ran out like they ran out of things to punish me to take things away from me. So like, we're going to take away your door. And I'm like, OK. And you know, what's funny is like I actually did that with my five year old. Oh, really? I took away his door. Well, yeah, my husband and I, we took away his door because he kept slamming it. And I'm like, if you're going to keep oh. slamming it, then you're not going to get a door. So we took it away for like a week and then it came back on. It's so funny. Like, I never thought that that would be something that would bother me, but it drives me nuts yeah take away the door (laughs) it solves it (laughs) see and it's funny like the way that you're describing that is because that that was me growing up like i was such a horrible it's weird i was good at home Mm -hmm. horrible in school systems yeah at the age of nine i got expelled and transferred to a different school okay because i was awful okay yeah yeah and we were we grew up in Oregon. Oh, so yeah. What part of Oregon? Um, St. Helens. So you know how it's like that square, right? We would be like, oh, we were right on the Columbia River. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. we we're like twenty minutes from Vancouver. Oh, sorry, my babysitter. So I mean, your parents. It doesn't sound like they were super religious. No, um, they weren't. My mom. So my dad's actually a Freemason. He's like third generation in my family. That's what it was. Yes. I was like, when you brought up smoking weed, I was like, oh shit, maybe it wasn't that they were religious. But the Mason thing, yes, yes. tell me more. Um, Growing up with that was interesting. Like I would come home from school and there'd be like just these middle-aged men (laughs) in my dining room like and my dad would be kind of like training them for the initiation to go into the freemasons and like some of the stuff i heard was like i will not write or uh, engrave or scribe or like carve whatever i i hear or do in these meetings, I'm like, oh, this is, like, kind of cultish. <laughs> but, like, my dad would have all these books in his office, and there'd be, like, a book of symbols or whatever, and there'd be, like, another book to read that book, and it was just all very secretive. So but, he never taught you any of the handshakes? No, he never taught me any of the handshakes. Damn it! But I am very proud of my dad. Like, he has, like, 
the Freemasons is basically um, to be like a public servant for the community. Like mm. they do a lot of um, stuff for like Shriners hospitals and oh. um, like child ID, like at, you know, public events like fairs and whatnot. So they're all about helping the community, which I appreciate. And then not very many people know, but there's something called the Eastern, no, is it Eastern? Eastern Stars, which is like what the, their wives do. Oh, and like they kind of like organize like catering and all this stuff for these events, and they also coach um, Rainbow Girls. Mm. And Rainbow Girls are um, like young women, young girl, not like me, younger than me, <laughs> way younger than me, half my age, maybe <laughs> younger than that. But they like teach you know high school girls or even younger than that to um, feel empowered and exude um, independence and confidence. Mm. So like they wear all these like gowns and like yeah. they do some of like I don't know the Pledge of Allegiance or like the initiate like the beginnings of meetings or like oh, ceremonies oh, okay. and whatnot. Um and they, they help with like the cat when like there's a dinner or something, they help with like the catering and kind of organizing with that too. So interesting. So I grew up Mormon and Mormons that. stole a shit ton of from Freemasons. Did they now? Yeah, big time. I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's uh so it's it's fascinating like uh, when when I realized that I was an, a heathen atheist. <laughs> I uh I did like a deep dive on the Mormon religion because a lot of my family is still uh still a part of it okay. and started finding all of these things and watching documentaries and asking questions and being like, is this true? And my parents being like, kind of sort of not. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, And, but then like the, yeah, the, the best stuff is all about the Smith family, the people who founded the religion. And uh, so when they got, cause they kept getting kicked out of cities and States and things like that. And people thought that it was like, persecution but really it was joseph smith was just absolute piece of shit <laughs> his followers were like god damn man you're like enlightened and this sounds great we want because like the the big thing with them was family mm-hmm. and so like the importance of togetherness and that and even today like that's still a huge tenet of mormonism is that like the promise of being with your family eternally mm-hmm. and that whole spiel. But back in the day, the reason why they were doing it is because Joseph Smith was like, we need more members. So you guys, that's what I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was like the real reason to have multiple wives and multiple children is to like have more members in the Mormon religion. The multiple wives thing was another thing that it was just because Joseph, Joseph Smith sucked. Like they were, they, I mean, back in the day, people, there was no contraceptive, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny learning that the only, like, form of contraceptive was dudes would nut on the floor. Mm. Which <laughs> is hilarious to me. Like, there's a perfectly good belly button that you're not Is utilizing. that a thing? <laughs> I feel like I've gotten, like, in my younger days, I've gotten videos of guys, like, nutting on the floor. That's so funny. I know. And I'm like, is that a thing with guys? Like, I'm a mom of two boys. I'm like, God, I hope that's not a thing with guys. <laughs> it's it's like an ancient thing. So maybe those guys were like, I want to be like my forefathers and their forefathers and start nutting on the floor. Uh, there's like other places 
Yeah. You could do that. So many places. Like in the shower. A toilet. A tissue. A sock. What happened to a sock? A subway bag. <laughs> a subway bag. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyways, so like, with yeah, with the whole uh, polygamy thing, uh, Joseph Smith got caught hooking up with other people's wives. Oh. And they were like, what the fuck, guy? And he was like, oh, dude. I, God told me to. I forgot. <laughs> I was just talking with Moroni, which is one of the angels. Oh. And uh, he was like, dude, you got to start uh, banging other people's wives. Mm. I was like, what? So, he, like, at first it was um, like, oh, no, it was that he was cheating on his wife. Oh. And that was a problem. And then he was like, oh, it's because we're supposed to have multiple wives because in the afterlife we have multiple wives as well. Mm-hmm. So basically, like the like quick like summary of Mormonism, uh, it's a lot like Catholicism in like the schooling process, mm-hmm. and then on the eternal side of things, there's three levels of heaven. And you're doing everything that you can to get into the top tier. Well, what's the difference between the tiers? That's the thing is they claim that there's like no difference, but then it's like, why have the different levels then? Yeah. So they say like um, the lowest level of heaven is still so incredible that people would kill themselves to end up there. Which, why the fuck would you tell followers that? Because then they're like, well... I'm just going to kill myself now. Yeah, then. they're just going to all drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> um, but so and then once you do that, so God is not just like God of everything. He's mm-hmm. one of many gods. And so they kind of believe in multiverse. Okay. And so when you die, you become a God and it's your job to go out into the universe and do the same thing. So you're supposed to create an earth and. And tell guys to fuck other people's wives. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> no. So the so the whole oh that's what I was gonna say was the polygamy thing started to die off when people saw Joseph banging their wives and mm. was, they were like well, that doesn't make any sense like I thought adultery and all that shit he's like yeah yeah you know but I'm the prophet so mm. what's up yeah and so. Started to kind of wane, and then Mormons started tattling on each other, and the government was like, guys, stop having a bunch of wives. <laughs> so I have, like, the most, like, the muddiest, not muddy, mutt-est of DNA because my, I'm like a fifth generation Mormon. Oh. When they outlawed polygamy, my great great whatever the fuck fled to mexico with his wives and then supposedly had more wives in mexico so oh wow yeah so you got like a lot of brothers and sisters lots of cousins lots of cousins yeah loads of them lots of second cousins (laughs) yes and second cousins (laughs) as well um but the freemason thing like they found out that joseph smith and another guy had joined like they did it for like a status thing mm. because Freemasons back in the day were like very like respected and yeah, I still think that they are like when you think, I think the Freemasons 
if anybody knows more on this topic, forgive me. But the Freemasons were originally um, made to protect the king and the queen, mm. I believe. I'm not 100% sure, but from what I, because it's like something that was created in England. Yeah, I know that they were like people get them confused with like Illuminati and shit like that. Illuminati used to be a part of because there's different branches of the Freemasons. It's not just one. So there's the Blue Lodge, which is like the most basic. And then there's like Scottish Rite, Knights Templar, like Rosicrucia, the Scottish Rite, um, Illuminati, I think was part of it at one point. Um, but then I think the Illuminati tried to throw, overthrow the government at one point, and the Freemasons yeah. as a whole was like, mm, <laughs> we kind of frown upon that, so you can't be in our cool like brothers club anymore, so GTFO, <laughs> sorry guys. <laughs> and they're like, cut ties. Because I asked my dad about it, and I'm like, so is it like Illuminati like part of He's like, no. Do you know Jay-Z? <laughs> right? <laughs> He's like, no, Illuminati's not part of it anymore. Um, yeah, my dad has gone through a lot of the different branches of the Freemasons. Actually, I went to one of his ceremonies, and like one of my most favorite titles that he's ever had was Most Illustrious Master. And I'm like, damn, I want that title. Where do I sign up? What's up, Daddy? <laughs> my God. Don't, don't say it like that. That's gross. <laughs> It's my dad. Well, I mean, it sounds so sexy. It does, right? Illustrious. Yeah, he's he's been in it for quite a while. He actually built his own lodge. Um, you can do that. Yeah, you can. Oh. There was one of the lodges was kind of corrupt. They Did were, you tell him that there's one in Monticello? There's one everywhere. Everywhere I, I see when I tell him, <laughs> Dad, there's a lodge here. Don't take a picture of it. And he's like, I know, Cerise. I know. Actually, there was one time I was traveling to. Sweden on my own to meet up with an old college girlfriend and he like gave me a pin and, and it was like a little Freemasons pin and he's like if you're ever in trouble wear this pin and go find like a Freemason like symbol like house or whatever and someone and tell them like you're the daughter of like this branch and here and they will help you and I'm like damn I like I feel I feel pretty badass right now yeah, that's pretty sick <laughs> yeah I was like, this, this is pretty cool. <laughs> like, if I ever get kidnapped, do you know who my dad is? <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, uh, Mormons, if you ever need help moving, you just go to the church and you're like, hey, we're moving. Oh, okay. So that's pretty much the same thing, oh, okay. I think. What was it like growing up Mormon? It's insane. Yeah? I mean, once you started to realize what everybody believes, like, versus <laughs> the insanity that is yeah. the fucking Mormon church... It's like, because I remember saying, so like, because Mormons also believe that we were spirits first and we chose to come down here Mm -hmm. versus kind of a more traditional thought, which is that the spirit is born as you're born Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, Because I was trying to relate to this other religious kid and I was like, you know how like we were all like spirits beforehand and I was going to ask something about like the choice coming down here and he was like, what? what?" I think... You know, it's funny because, like, my uh, we put our dog down on Tuesday, not this past Tuesday, but the Tuesday before. And my was your dog Mormon? My dog was Mormon. (laughs) Yes, she was Mormon Daisy, little Boston Terrier. Oh, god, I gotta like a future cartoon in the making. (laughs) Um, 
so he's my son has been kind of questioning about like what happens after we die where do we come oh. from and we have always been like we don't want to force a religion onto him so we've never really talked about it with him because i i don't really believe in anything and that's i use that loosely my husband on the he's a very open-minded um christian which I, I don't know what branch of Christianity, like there, I know there's like Nazarene and whatever Methodist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and it, cause his mom was, um, a missionary, like there was, it was, they were a missionary family. So we both agreed that like, we would not force religion onto our children, like let them make up their own minds. So it's interesting to me that like what's available to him right now is like Christianity, like Methodist, Nazarene, um, Lutheran, and then me, what I believe in, which is nothing, <laughs> <laughs> but not just nothing. Like I think there's other ideas of nothingness. How I tried to explain it to my dad at one point is like, this is going to sound very hippie. And when I say it out loud, it sounds so unlike me, like energy, when you think about energy, there's good energy and there's bad energy. Mm-hmm. And what you put into your body... Meth. Meth. Weed. Heroin. <laughs> you know, any opiate. I'm just, you know, I'm just a garbage can of drugs. Um, so is what you put out when you die. Or your thoughts, your feelings, all that positive stuff all that negative stuff is what your body puts out when you die because when you die you get buried back into the earth right and then the whole cycle starts again like you become like the worms like not the worm you don't become the worms but you become the dirt like the yeah what's compost. Fl- flora and fauna yeah and like gaia as a whole mother earth like energy like you you just your body gets recycled back into the earth Mm -hmm. and then you get recycled back into like the animals and then whatever else Mm -hmm. um so i guess in a way mormonism we were spirits before Mm. but i don't know necessarily like i haven't quite figured everything out i don't have answers for everything yeah right like i don't know how i got here i don't know how like i just came out of my mom's uterus (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how i got there like i know that i'm me Uh but i don't necessarily know how i became me does that make sense yeah i think anything any um form of because we're the most like self-aware creatures on this planet yeah. Anything that we can do to try and because can you imagine if you imbued like self conscious or like self awareness mm-hmm. to a cheetah, like they'd be like, oh my god, I, what what is all of this? Yeah, it it would be insane, like an overload. Yeah. Um. Whereas like we've kind of slowly, but like humanity has always looked for meaning. And I think that's because of the amount of self-awareness. I think the question of why and how mm-hmm. have always like plagued humanity because yeah, it just doesn't make sense because it's so, even if there wasn't a universe, right? And the world was the only thing mm-hmm. for one human to travel the entire world is a massive feat Yeah, to touch every corner of the world. It's yeah. enormous. Right. To then learn that there's more beyond that, it makes you feel so insignificant. So 
to search for meaning is is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to take that away and just go to the basic term of what do I mean to those that know me mm-hmm. and to those that I interact with? Because if you want to carry on in my mind, mm-hmm. um, it's funny. There's a, there's this actor from trailer park boys. You heard of that show? Yeah. So there's this guy that plays like this drunken alcoholic in every episode. And he jumps into character. Like when they're doing like this behind the scene thing, mm-hmm. he's pa- he's since passed away, but he says, um, when you're dead, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can, Oh, but when you're dead, you're gone. But if you contributed, you're not so dead. Or you're when you die, you're not so gone. I don't know. It's a complicated. Yeah, I think I get the gist of it. Like you have you have to make you only have one life, and you need to make an impact and like improve it for. Well, but the next generation maybe. It's it's more so that like if you really want to carry on into something else Mm -hmm. then contribute something and you're alive in the minds of those that are still there right so kind of like coco i don't know if you have seen this movie yeah i actually just watched it the other night (laughs) it's fantastic i love it very much so like the whole concept of like once you're forgotten then that's it yeah and i mean eventually that does happen yeah i i think i'm actually okay with being forgotten (laughs) Um, I think for me, the most important thing is making sure my kids are okay and they are hu- like respectable human beings. They're not like jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's my job as of right now. And I think I'm okay. Like, I don't, I don't need to make a big impact on the world. I think that's just shooting too high for me. Right. I mean, I, I don't want to. Those are some pretty high fucking goals. We can't all be Keanu Reeves. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, or you know, Courtney Kardashian can't can't all be yeah. her pulling babies out of her vagina. <laughs> can't do it. So for me, if I can achieve raising two smart young boys that are not assholes, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I can die happy. But actually, one of the things that you were talking about was like humans, and I was. Um, and how we are one of the most superior thinking, Not questioning, su- oh, okay, yes, yes, questioning, yes. like, um, like, where do we come from? What's the point of our existence? And could it be as so simple that when you think about all the different species on the planet, they all have a role in the chain of whatever, yeah, circle of life. Mm-hmm. And some of them are even migratory. Could it be so simple that at one point we were food? Oh, yeah. Or we were meant to, like, kill off, like, a certain a number of animals or plants even. And then we just got too smart <laughs> and decided to – and our communities got too big and we just started shitting on the world and – built factories and now we're killing it so i don't know yeah well i mean it's it's interesting like um evolution mm-hmm. and different because animals have tribes too yeah so, like um because there are uh chimpanzee tribes that have yeah. advanced far more than 
and not far away. It could be like a three mile difference. And this one is advancing with tools, whereas these guys are still throwing poop yeah. at each other. Yeah. And even birds do it too. They know how to use tools oh, yeah. as well. So, I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely like evidence in other species of animals, of tribes, of communication, of intelligence. Like we're not the only species or, you know. Yeah. Oh, what I was going to say was like, it's, you so as far as like advancement goes yeah it's a small thing that then snowballs and turns into these other big things so like yeah. as simple as one tribe's genetics are good for one thing yeah and another are good for another thing and yeah. if you combine them and the next generation has both of those tools then they recognize a thing and a pattern and so they're able to so like it's really basic, and then it just yeah goes and goes from there. Yeah. So tools. Tools. That was a huge thing. Tools, communication, sex. Yeah. Because we got to procreate. For sure. And then we just kind of found out that having sex was a lot of fun. This is rad. I mean, yeah, it feels great. I mean, it's funny because- you're, you're like, doing it right. <laughs> most, most animals, like, <laughs> the amount of animals that, like, do their own form of masturbation- Yeah so many yeah like there's dolphins that fuck other fish just to, to get off fuck people <laughs> dolphins <laughs> fuck people like they all get it like it's it's so it's pretty funny that like it just so happens that mm -hmm. which m must be an evolutionary thing too because the same way that like dopamine was introduced so that you would go and drink water yeah. or go and grab food like body was like all right we gotta make more of us for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> so let's make that more. excellent. They they want to make more for their <laughs> for their Mormon uh, yes, religion. <laughs> exactly. The more I think about it, I think they're right. <laughs> I wonder what religions dolphins have. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, and that's another thing is like community. Yeah. Is is a big thing. Yeah. So like once the so the self-awareness to be like we're pretty similar and i recognize that you're not a risk to what we have going on here yeah let's communicate now and then form a community from that so like once people started to do that it's easier to protect each other mm -hmm. it's easier to so like yeah there were these small little things yeah. that turn into massive like if two tribes if you were to go and be like the fact that you two are going to join up mm -hmm. is going to be a chain reaction. And yeah. one day we'll be like going into outer space on rockets shaped like penises. <laughs> right. Looking at you, Bezos. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this is thanks to all of you, Amazon shoppers. God damn it. I'm still giving in my money, too. I hate, right. I hate myself. I know. But what are you going to do? I know. I love getting shit delivered. I do. It's like Christmas every day. Yes. My favorite thing to do is buy a shit ton of stuff and decide I don't eat it and return it. <laughs> because there's no other way to hate the planet than oh, to... Oh, <laughs> yeah. The nice thing is a lot of that stuff is recyclable cardboard choice. Oh, yeah. I love making boxes out of that stuff. I made a really cool rock... Walk it. I made a really cool rocket ship. <laughs> With my kids. How my goldfish has into how rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of rocket ships, uh, I heard that your husband is an absolute rocket, and uh, 
through evolution, many men want to mate with him. Yeah, I, I think many men want to mate with him. Many men want to be with him, and I'm, <laughs> many girls also want to mate with him and be him. Possibly, oh, I don't know, and be him, and be him. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's by far the coolest person I know. So I tell think. me about you guys meeting then. We met on OKCupid. What else to know? Well, but I mean, <laughs> did, did he throw in his profile, went to Nicaragua and... No. Okay. So Nicaragua happened after we got married. Well, he's never... Oh, after? Yeah. So he actually been... He's been to Belize. Like he used to do these brother trips every year because there's four... There's five kids. There's... The oldest is Amy. She's the oldest sister. And then there's um, four brothers. Um, Aaron, Nathan, Jeremy, and Tim. Tim's like... The bigger dude, but you would think that he's the older brother. Oh but yeah, he's not. You he's, he's the baby brother. Um, so they would do these like really cool, fun brother trips, and they went to Belize, they went to Thailand, they went to China. I don't know if they're doing anymore. Uh, they came here actually before we, right before we moved here. So it wasn't technically a brother's trip, but it was like this big old family reunion. It was a lot of fun to have like everybody in the same house. Wait, wait, wait. So his family is not originally from Minnesota? His family is originally from Minnesota. Oh, okay. Yeah. His grandpa actually lived four houses away from where we currently live. We live like in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And then his younger brother actually lives in the same neighborhood too, just like four houses down. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a, um, they're originally from here. And then, because his mom is from Grand Forks. Okay. And his dad is from Elk River. And, um, they got married, met, and then decided to go to Africa to be missionaries. And then I can't remember if they had kids before they left or if they didn't. But then, like, they would, they've been there for, like, I don't know, eight, seven, eight, ten years. Holy shit. Yeah. And then Peggy was just pumping out babies. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy was actually the only one that was born in Africa. And I always joke, I'm like, oh, he was born in a hut guarded by stray dogs, which is... <laughs> It's kind of true, but it was not a hut. Yeah. And because uh, I guess it was when she found out she was pregnant with him, it was too late for her to come back. So she was like, I'll just have the baby here. Oh, So wow. they were building like churches and community and houses like in Ghana. And um, yeah. And then, we're going to build some churches. Yeah. We're going to build some churches in Ghana. <laughs> and then um, after... Um, I don't know how old Tim was, but I know that they ended up moving back when Jeremy was like eight or nine and they moved back to Minnesota for a bit. And then they got a job with World Vision in California. Okay. In Azusa, um, which is like. Gazuntite. Gazuntite, yeah. Kind of Pasadena <laughs> area. And um, I was living in Orange County and then got a job in the fashion industry and moved to LA to be closer to work because that commute sucks. Mm. Any Just, commute sucks. In I, I'm commuting now, so <laughs> <laughs> kind of went back straight back to the commute. But uh, I mean, the commute out there is oh just yeah blows absolute yeah. Balls. It was like an hour and a half each way, and it didn't matter if there was traffic or not. It'd be an hour and a half. We went to Sacramento one time because <laughs> just my wife and I went out there, and we were like, let's go to the beach. Um, Somebody told us to go to Sacramento for some reason. To the and, beach? Yeah. It's cold. <laughs> so I don't know if there was like something going on down at the pier or, right? Is that, 
or wait. Was that San Francisco? No, we were in because because of the stand up. I went out. We went out there and interviewed some comedians on Sunset Boulevard. Oh, yes. Okay. So we were up there. Wait, you do stand up? Yes. Oh, fun. <laughs> Good for you. I bet you're so funny. Oh my gosh. It's all about how Republicans are the best. Oh, basically, God, is my so, stance. They're the best at sucking dick. It's like Jeff Dunham without the puppets. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so like we spent an hour looking for parking and just we were like, well, fuck it. This is, we've spent an hour trying to just park a car is let's yeah. just go back to the hotel God, fuck that was another thing i don't miss about california like parking is awful you either have to like wait like an hour for a parking spot or you have to pay for it mm-hmm. it's so frustrating and overwhelming i think a lot of my anxiety comes from living in <laughs> la <laughs> i thrive for some reason like i don't like driving but in those bigger cities, these like chaotic yeah. s- driving scenarios, I do better in them. I'm not yeah. sure why. But like there's something gets activated in my brain where I'm like, everyone sucks. You have to accept death because <laughs> accept <laughs> anything death. could happen out here. And then yeah. I just go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like driving around the city at night because the lights and there's less traffic, there's less people, more interesting things to see if there are people. <laughs> oh my God. You never know who you're going to see pooping in the street. I mean, Dude. <laughs> I don't think I've told this story on this podcast, <laughs> but the wildest shit happened. So I, we, we stayed at a hotel that was across the street from the comedy store mm-hmm. and there was this taco place this tiny taco place that was next to or was it the pink taco there was like this i don't know but along sunset right there's a smaller like taco place that i was just fucking obsessed with and i like we went to a show and so we had interviewed a couple of comedians so now we like kind of know x amount of people that are there which is like this is fun yeah. and, and we're drinking and blah, blah, blah. Kim gets a little too drunk, but she's like, it's still hungry. I'm like, well, good. Cause I want to eat like seven tacos. Gotta get like a street cart taco. Those are good. That's basically what this like was like, yeah. it was just a tiny little shack. So I go and get tacos and I'm waiting in line and I see this big black lady in like, you know, those like neon fishnet outfits. Oh Yeah. So she's in like one of those. And I'm like, definitely don't make eye contact. <laughs> and she disappears. I get my stuff. And I'm finally walking. And I'm walking on the opposite side of where the comedy store is. Yeah. And I'm seeing people with their phones out and, you know, lights and shit going on. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And because they're just pointing at this car. As I am like what would that be? Perpendicular? Yeah. <laughs> Parallel? Parallel, yeah. Know, whatever. <laughs> With that car, mm-hmm. that black lady pops up and is wearing nothing. Oh. And starts walking at the exact same pace as me. Oh, no. And I was like, holy shit, this is fucking wild. And so I'm just like, because I've been to New York so many times, because yeah. we got family out there, I was like, you just don't look. Yeah, you don't. You just pretend it's not happening. No, not only you look. (laughs) 
you look, you post it to Instagram they Live. They want you to look. <laughs> yeah. So it was fucking insane. So I'm like, I'm walking. This is at like, like one in the morning, I think. Oh, yeah. And the valet dude is still outside. And I, without looking, I go, does this happen a lot? And he looks up and I finally look over and she stopped and she's peeing on a fire hydrant. <gasps> and he's like, no, that's new. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Fucking insane! Yeah. Is there a tapping going on? Am yeah. I crazy? Cupid brings you together. Yeah. Okay, Cupid. Um. So what happened was when when do you learn that he like did your guys' music tastes align like quickly or did you get inundated with kind of his scene? I I think that. We re I don't really know with the music stuff. I think it just kind of like happened quickly. Like, oh, you like this band? I like this band too. And then like, because everything happened really fast in our relationship. Um, we were we were like boyfriend and girlfriend after two and a half weeks. Like one of our first dates was you took me to the LA beard and mustache competition, <laughs> and he was competing. And then um, he was competing under. I think natural beard. And so he won the first round because he like chugged a beer on stage. And then the second round, he like asked me to be. You want to point the mic over? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> he asked me to be uh, near the front of the stage. I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll, whatever. And I was thinking just to like take pictures and a video of him, right? And, um, but he does. He comes out and he finds me, pulls me up on stage, and like kisses, like you know, the whole like romantic gesture, like okay. leans me back and just starts like romantically kissing me in front of everybody, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Ooh!" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" It was like so. It's like a fairy. It's like I feel like I'm a Little Mermaid or something. I don't know. It's just very romantic, like like from a Disney movie almost. Yeah, kind of. In a weird way without, you know, the tattoos and the beards. But, like, all of their woos are muffled because of the beards? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. But all the guys that were competing were so pissed at him. They're like, you just made us look bad with all of our girlfriends, you asshole. (laughs) I mean, he didn't make it. He didn't, like, win or anything. But it was just, I don't know, it felt, it was all romantical. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'll keep you around. And then... Things just kind of picked up fairly quickly after that. Like, he really wanted to be, he was the first, no, I wouldn't say first. He was really interested in meeting my family. He was really interested in meeting my friends, really interested in wanting me to get to know his friends and his family. That was actually, like, our second date. Like, I, he was supposed to be a one-night stand. <laughs> supposed to be a wham-bam, thank you, ma'am. And uh, like, okay, Cupid? Yeah, no, like, <laughs> I mean, I I, da- I was on that website for like probably two and a half years or something, and okay. all I all I wanted was just a good lay. I mean, I was I was slurring it around, <laughs> and I was okay with that. It's perfectly fine with that. And like, it was this beautiful tattooed bearded man that you know is fun to hang out with. And our second date, he's like, "Yeah, meet me here." And I'm like, okay, he, it was his friend's house mm-hmm. and all of his friends were there. And now he's introducing me to all of his friends. And I'm like, this is a little weird. I thought we were going <laughs> to fuck, <laughs> but okay, I'll meet your friends. I'll hang out. And then it just kind of, 
escalated fairly quickly. And the next thing I know, three months later, he's asking to marry me. <gasps> I know. And I'm like, okay. But actually, uh, the funny story about that. He told my parents. Oh, did he hide the ring in his beard? He, yes. he. Hid <laughs> I wish he did. God damn it. Um, we went on this like really long um, road trip. And there was like this thing about condors. We're trying to find a condor or something like in the wild. Oh, oh, okay. And we couldn't. Um, so he, we went on up to his friend's beach house and with all of his friends, right? And I didn't know about this, but all of his friends clearly knew about it. My parents even knew about it. I don't know when he asked my dad if it was okay. He didn't ask my dad for permission. He was just like, I, I'm going to do this. Would you be okay with that? <laughs> and the first warning sign of him to know that I was crazy was my dad's like, are you sure? <laughs> Because um, it's ultimately her decision, but are you sure? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So I'm drinking the night away. I'm hungover as shit. And he like waking me up and he's like, hey, you want to go like walk on this beach? And I'm like, sure. Okay, it's really fucking early and I just wanted to sleep. But sure, all right. Hungover. There better be on a this breakfast beach. burrito out here. <laughs> When these birds, but I have a fucking breakfast burrito, right? <laughs> so we're walking on the beach, and he's like, there's like this mountain. He's like, look, there's a condor. And I'm like, what? where is this condor? And then I'm looking, there's nothing. And then it's taking me forever to find this condor. And finally, I, I, I feel him move. Like, his presence isn't next to me anymore. And it feels very strange, because there's just like this... It, I'm looking for this condor longer than I should have, right? <laughs> And I finally turn around, and he's on one knee with the ring, and he's got tears in his eyes, oh. and, like, he's telling me how much he loves me, and I'm looking at him like, I'm such a fucking bitch. <laughs> like, I tell him, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and I'm, like, thinking about it, I'm like, he really loves me, and I really love him. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll marry you. <laughs> Yes, put the ring on my finger now. I'm like crying. He's like, call your parents. I'm like, you told my parents? I'm like ugly crying at this point. But it was just like, and he still talks about how much of a fucking bitch I am for like saying, are you fucking kidding me? It's not what you're supposed to say when you get proposed to, but apparently, it's apparently what I say. It's funny because like a fairly similar kind of thing with my, my wife and I, like we were married... I think I proposed her after six months yeah. and then married before the year was out. Okay. So we hadn't even been dating a year before we got married. And um, it's dope because we started dating on Pearl Harbor Day. So we're always like, never oh. forget. Yeah. <laughs> when is that? Like June? No, it's December 7th. Oh, oh I think God. I'm getting it confused with D-Day. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. I think that's in June. Anyway, I'm like, <laughs> I'm messing with your story. Tell me your story. But our, ours is like the like poor version of that. Oh. Which was, so because my parents are super Mormon, like um, they had a rule where like, so we had gotten pregnant after three months. There was a miscarriage. And, but while she was pregnant, she was allowed to stay at the house. Oh, okay. Which was cool. Yeah. And then, but after the miscarriage, I forget, like a week or so after, parents are like, okay, there's no sleeping in the same bed anymore. How old were you guys? 18. Oh. So. I mean, I would sleep my 
sorry, I don't want to like interrupt your story, <laughs> but like my boyfriend moved in when I was seventeen, and after we both turned eighteen, I'm like we're sleeping in the same room. But oh, there's a whole nightmarish. Remember oh, how I said yeah. at the age of nine I was expelled and transferred to a different school? Oh, yeah. Was, I, it, was I, it because you were getting like other nine year olds pregnant? Uh, I actually got I so I would get detention almost every single week, and then I. <laughs> this it's the dumbest story we're on mount st helens and you know those little informational signs that are like at an angle yeah i'm like jumping on those and doing these stupid like roundhouse kicks off of them <laughs> Karate. and these two kids are coming down the trail and i fucking despise one of them and i was like oh i've already been doing these rad Jean-Claude Van Damme kicks yeah i'm just gonna make it seem like it was an accident and fucking smoke this dude who had a shitty mullet rat tail thing going on his friend gets in the way and i end up kicking him like in the side oh and he had just had surgery oh so it was the worst combination of things yeah and the school was finally like we can't the the oh the father is like wanting to press charges if you guys don't against a nine-year-old that's how much wow. I sucked. Wow. We also that that school district was absolutely insane. Like we would, I we walked to school through the woods, and there was a homeless guy that lived in the woods, and it was so it was fucking insane. Yeah. So, anyways, parents, anyway. trust is not like optimum with me. So, we found a workaround, and I like made like a little gorilla nest next to my bed. <laughs> so she would sleep in the same room. Yeah. But like, it was basically like sleep in the same bed until like five in the morning. And then I like push her off and she would land in her gorilla nest. And yeah. It was dope. I want a gorilla but nest. <laughs> it's funny. Like I'll, I'll have you ask her about it. Cause she says to this day, it was like the most comfortable thing that she's ever slept on. Like I just yeah. finagled everything perfectly. But one day, my mom comes into the room and we're in bed together. I think we were watching a movie or something. Yeah. And she was like, if you guys are going to play house, you might as well get married. Ha ha ha. And like manically like walked away. Wow. Because <laughs> it was just her trying to deal with it. Like my son is out of wedlock. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. Actually. So I went upstairs. My Jewish aunt had bought me this magic ring set. It was like this. Like magic for beginners. Oh, fun. <laughs> Cute. And I took one of the rings off and I gave this whole speech and my memory sucks, so I can't remember it. Yeah. But all I remember is that it made made her cry. And yeah. we were like, yeah, like, let's fucking let's, let's do this thing. Aw, that's so sweet. So we've been together. Ugh. We've been married for 15 years. Wow. So together 16 years? Yeah. That's a, that's a long But it's bonkers. Yeah. But like similar in the sense that like there's just something about I mean we were separated for a little bit because we were so young that we I didn't I didn't grasp like really the person that I had. Yeah. And I thought that I was missing out on something. Mm -hmm. And just a clusterfuck of nonsense happened in the three months that we were separated. Yeah. There, you know, it's funny because relationships are really hard. Um, marriage is really hard. You can love someone so much 
and want to be with them for the rest of your life. But they're like, I don't know, there's something about like getting too comfortable with each other and at once some point like not self-progressing because you're just so stuck in who you were or, you know, who you, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I and know. you kind of have one of two things happen. Like there are um, kids who grow up mm-hmm. in shitty scenarios mm-hmm. where they, their dream scenario of being married is this. Mm-hmm. So when I get married, my husband is going to do this shit. Yeah. And, and then there's the version of like, we're so comfortable with each other. I know I fucking love you. So why not? Let's just get married. Yeah. What's the big deal? Um, it's, it is in my mind, nothing's going to change because you know what I mean? Like yeah. th- that comfortability thing. So we had the combination of the two. I was on this end where I was like, I'm, I love spending time with you anyways. It's fucking just make it official. Yeah. And her with like, well, this is what a husband's supposed to do. This is what a wife is supposed to do. And yeah. we just clashed because technically we were still teenagers. Yeah. There's all these hidden expectations. There's, yeah. And I think we kind of run into that too in my own relationship as well. When we were first got together as well, like I remember the first year kind of sucked. Mm. I mean, it was beautiful. And like, I think we, before we got married, there was a year and we moved in together and it was really like, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun, but there was a lot of like figuring out we still had to do because everything happened so fast. And I was, he was 30, I was 25. Mm. So, I mean, I wasn't as young as you, but like I'm still, and I was in a six year relationship even like a couple years before that. Mm. So I didn't really have like a, that's why it was horning around so much (laughs) before, because I'm like, I got to get this out of my system. Uh, We call them slews. Slews. I was slewsing it up. (laughs) Um, I have, I have no shame. (laughs) I don't think anybody should. No. The podcast that like we started with, one of the questions that I would ask every single guest that came on was, have you eaten ass and or had your ass eaten? Because I wanted to normalize this, like, I'm a guy, mm-hmm. and I'm saying it's awesome. And <laughs> it's so uncomfortable for people to be like, whoa, what? Yeah. Dudes are gross. I, I'm i going to say no to both of those, <laughs> for me personally. It's a magical experience. I'm sure it is, but maybe one day I'm willing to try, but I think right now <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> and the other rad maybe part not. <laughs> about being married, because mm-hmm. I get it if you're out there in the dating world, which I never want to have to be in again. But like the, the ability to be like, Hey, I kind of want to try this tonight. Are you up for it? And you can, you can do that because it doesn't have to be a spontaneous. Right. And so (laughs) like, if you have the desire to eat ass or have your ass eaten in your dating, you just like crossing your fingers that everything's a okay. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas, like, we get to do, like, this whole prepping. Basically, we're chefs, and people who are dating are going to McDonald's. Yeah. And they're just hoping that it's a fresh batch of grease so that the fries oh, don't God. taste stale. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. <laughs> Gonna toss that fresh salad. <laughs> exactly. Are there croutons that oh, came with the package, or is it a... Man. 
you know so i get to we get to shower we get to do yeah. all the prepping and like all of the stuff you know it's clean you know where it came from mm-hmm. you know yeah i mean yeah that is definitely the nice thing about ma- being married is like trying new things and having that comfort of that person is your person yeah and they have your best interest and they have your back so you won't ever feel embarrassed for asking for something yeah. or you know vice versa so that's definitely a bonus. In the dating world, there's also a thing where it's like if you ask that person, you never have to see them again if you get rejected or if they say no. That's true. So you can just go off your marriage. Unless, like, you know, it's a friend of a friend, then you, like, have to hide in the closet forever. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing about Minnesota is, is like, it's comprised of small towns. Mm. The amount of times that I've met someone and somehow we know, uh, like, we have a common friend. Yeah. It happens an astronomical amount. No matter what town I've been in, like, I've been able to connect, like, oh, do you know, like, I was in, where the fuck is uh, Bob Dylan from? Is it Bemidji? No. Iron Range, it's all I know. Yeah, Iron Range. Hibbing. Hibbing, okay. Went to Hibbing, saw a tiny little skate park, asked one kid, hey, have you ever met Wilson Robinson? He was like, yeah, he used to come here all the time. And it's like, holy shit, that's a bro of mine. And just vavoom. Mm-hmm. So like in the dating world, the odds of somebody knowing somebody and they're like, dude, one time this girl with green hair asked if she could have her ass eaten. <laughs> and they're like, wait a second. Do they work at Chipotle? Oh, my God. I know her. <laughs> God. I yeah, that's one thing I've been very aware of um, moving here to Minnesota is like how how tight the community is and how small it is. Yeah. Like like people know each other. Actually, just the other day we went to go play bingo at the Buff, and like our waiter actually knows one of our friends. And she's like, "Oh yeah, like I used to work with so and so," and I'm like, "Oh god, this is so weird." Please don't spit in my food. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to the whole marriage thing. Like, it was the when we finally got back together. It was it was such a dumb, dumb thing. I found out that she was finally like moving on, and in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm kind of like trying to figure shit out. Yeah. And, I, I think subconsciously I was like, we'll end up back together. Yeah. And it finally hit me when I heard that. And I was like, wow, I'm a, literally a carny going from county fair to county fair, selling bracelets and jewelry. Like, this is not where I should yeah. be. That's fucking insane. And uh, I can't remember if I shot her a text or something. And then she called me and she was like, hey, you okay? And. I just broke down. I was like, I'm really not. Like, yeah. I'm in a horrible, horrible place. She came over. I, I didn't know that she was on her way to my house while we were on the phone. And she just walked in the front door. And I was like, oh, God. Aww. And I knelt down and is the weirdest thing. I was like, show me your belly. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I need to. And like, so she did. And I was like, just, there's no one in this world that I could see being the mother of my children Aww. besides you. 
it's weird. Like I'm getting like a flush of like that feeling back. Yeah, she's your person. Yeah, it was really intense. Yeah, but like she's your home. And I wish that it was like as simple as that, right? Yeah, you have these insanely intense moments, yeah. and they're so solidifying. Yeah, but one thing that like is. And it's so funny, like, why I constantly am, like, picking at people for trauma and, sh- and other shit. Yeah. Is because mental health unchecked ruins that. Yeah. So, like, my mental health unchecked ruined a lot of things. It's why yeah. I ended up in treatment. It's why I've been on an adult mental health unit twice. Yeah. Like, so there's, I'm always, like, fishing for that. Yeah. And, like, when I hear people describing their partner's in certain scenarios, I'm always like, I wonder if maybe they have generalized anxiety mm. or I wonder if they have clinical anxiety or I wonder if ADHD um, ex- exhibits similar symptoms as somebody who's bipolar mm-hmm. or as hypomania. So like I know a fuckload about mental health now. Yeah. And I always am like, I open up really quickly because I have codependency issues. And I want somebody to know right away that there's zero judgment and mm-hmm. I'm someone that you can trust. Mm-hmm. Because after that, I then want to check in to see like, it's so funny. Like I come from a family of people who just want to convert the entire fucking world into Mormonism. Yeah. And my thing is like, I want to convert people to taking care of themselves yeah mental health is so fucking it is and i've only like just i feel like it's so new to me even in my life especially um i don't know are we allowed to talk about covid yeah okay Uh, (laughs) (laughs) okay so i i've been kind of noticing similarities in my mom's life and in my my life my personal life Mm. so my mom was she joined the navy after high school oh my dad did so you're a lesbian by genetics yes god damn it you found me out i'm a lesbian not just the salad I like to toss. <laughs> it's the fish tacos, too. Damn Boom! It. <laughs> um, you suck my back. <laughs> um, so my mom joined the Navy, and she was actually going to... She was she was proposed to before she left. Oh, wow. And that was in upstate New York. And my dad, who was originally from Ohio, his family moved to California. I can't remember why. I think there was, like... I actually asked my dad about it not too long ago, and there was something to do with, like, a business deal that my grandpa was doing. Anyway, they moved to California. And um, my dad joined the Navy after he graduated from high school. And then, lo and behold, both of my parents somehow ended up on the same island, Midway Island. And 75% of the women there were lesbians. (laughs) Not my mom. (laughs) They all played softball. So my mom was a hot commodity. Oh, I see. And so my dad kind of got with her fairly quickly. They broke up. And once my dad started realizing that, you know, she was getting a lot of other suitors, he got super jealous and he like just started panicking like, I need to talk to you. (laughs) And then, then my sister happened. (laughs) Uh, my oldest sister happened, and then my mom obviously had to. She was discharged from the Navy. Oh, that's right. You get, um, yes. Yeah, okay. can't be pregnant and in the Navy, so she was discharged. <laughs> they got married in Honolulu oh. by the captain. They only have one wedding photo and like this 
very beautiful, plain, sweet, like little white Hawaiian um, button-up dress shirt that my mom wore. And my dad wore like a white button-up linen Hawaiian shirt. Very sweet. Oh, I thought you were going to say dress as well. Yes. Yes. (laughs) My dad's also a lesbian. (laughs) My parents are going to kill me. (laughs) Um, And um, so they settled down in, I think, San Diego for a while. Okay. And then my dad, after a while, left the Navy. Then the other two kids happened. My sister and then me. (laughs) But the fact that my mom left upstate New York and then did this whole like life changing thing because she didn't want to be stuck in a small town and then moved to California oh. to be she didn't have any family of her own. She didn't have any friends. She is literally starting her own life with kids while her husband is doing the Navy thing mm-hmm. and supporting her. And then I found myself in a very similar position like we left California. Granted, when we were leaving California, all of my family had already left after I had my oh. first kid. So that's why I was like, why are we staying in California? I've got no one left here and you don't really have anybody. It was just like we had this really tight knit, close community of friends, but everybody was already moving to Oregon. So we're like, we're going to move to Minnesota. Interesting. Yeah. So we moved to Minnesota and then we're, you know, building the brewery. My husband's you know, badass brewer now. And I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm pregnant. COVID just hit. I'm doing distant learning preschool. And then... Oh, what the fuck does that look like? Oh, God. It's a lot of fucking preschool songs and ABCs and I was going to say, I had I'd not even thought of distance learning for preschoolers. Uh, it's like the worst hour of my life, Monday through Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate educators specifically of preschoolers and kindergarten because I cannot do it I am there are women out there who are built to be nurturers I am built to be a happy mom who works and is not a stay-at-home mom doing Ah, distant learning because my mental health deteriorated really quickly Mm. and then all this other negative stuff started happening around me, and I'm just, I'm like, something's got to change. I just felt like I was stuck in a hole, and I couldn't get out. And I knew the way out, but I was, I'd just been stuck in that hole for so long that I was so comfortable in it, and, like, I couldn't move. It was almost paralyzing. Yeah. Like, I know what I need to do to get out, but I don't want to do it. Yeah. Not that I want to be there. I don't want to be there. It's not. I was just like in this really bad depressive state. And I think a lot of it could have been, you know, after having my youngest, Arthur, um, the, you know, post baby depression, blues, whatever. Postpartum. Yeah. Yes. You postpartum. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And. Not working, not being able to leave the house, not having family nearby, not having like friends nearby that I can really talk to. It sucked. And the only person I wanted to talk to at the end of the day was my husband. And he know he's got a whole life yeah. out there, too. And that's why I'm saying marriage is also really hard, because if you're not self-progressing and like your partner is kind of like stuck in a rut, which I was kind of stuck in a rut 
like it's it's very toxic. It becomes this very toxic relationship because the other person wants to help them, the other person can't help themselves, and it's just like you're not moving forward in the, the marriage or the relationship. When you get in that depressive cycle yeah. of there, there's um, procra- there's uh, procrastination that happens, but it's towards yourself. Yeah. So you start to get upset with yourself on top of that. Yeah. And then so that shame of like I know what I should do but I just want to lay down. Yes. And then the resentment of watching somebody else yeah. do better. Yeah. It's impossible to escape. Yeah. And Jeremy has built something with his brother, like something so amazing. Like they put Elk River on the map with building this brewery. And like, I would do it all over again. I would leave my career in California and like uproot ourselves and move to Minnesota to help him and support him in that because what he was doing in California being a contractor he couldn't do that forever Mm. I like I wanted to support him in chasing his dream because he's always wanted to brew beer and he's damn good at it and I mean even though I don't drink a whole lot of beer but (laughs) from what I hear everybody loves his beer and like I'm so proud of him. That's amazing. I'm so happy that he has that. But you're right. When I'm stuck in this hole and this rut and not happy with myself, and I'm not saying that, you know, I love my children. I do. But it was really tough for me for having a newborn baby, doing distant learning preschool, being at home 24-7 with them, and his schedule fluctuates, and he's the only person that, like, I really can communicate with, mm. and then, like, not really having anything for myself outside of that. And that is no, no way his fault. No. No but way whatsoever. That goes back to that whole community thing we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I didn't have it's a community. massive. Yeah, it's so massive. And at the time, I didn't have one because of the fucking COVID. <laughs> like, I... Uh, I mean... I had my my in-laws, I had my mother-in-law, but I mean, they're all so scared from themselves, and so I felt like I couldn't get the support or ask for the support that I needed, and so my mental health, like, deteriorated massively, and then, I don't know, one shiny summer day, I'm like, I'm gonna get a job, (laughs) (laughs) and then it took me, like, I updated my resume, I don't know what happened, it was just like something just clicked, I'm like, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Um, Like, Arthur's now a year old, almost a year old. Actually, no, yeah, he was, sorry. He was a year old. And I'm like, he, I'm comfortable enough with putting him in daycare. We'll figure it out. Like, Mm -hmm. even though it was still kind of scary because of COVID. Right. Edison was going into kindergarten. So this was like the last summer I was going to have with them. So I was like taking them like, you know, science museum, like, I don't know, kids museum, whatever. Mm-hmm. With zoo. Whatever I could do. Could I, you not throw up on the microphone? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a job because stay at home mom life sucks. And more power to the women that can do it. I can't. I've tried it, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, I did there's this gross expectation like the the burden of the mother is still so wildly misunderstood and yeah. underappreciated because 
<clears throat> because we assume that there's this natural connection between mom and, and baby because mm-hmm. you've, you've already been living together for nine months. Yeah. The onus of that child progressing solely because of you, like it is brushed off so often like the father who like can't change diapers or he can't he you know it's he's just one of those guys that he can't do this but the mom is expected to to pick up the slack and all of that shit yeah like i for every fucking guy who says that they can't do the baby stuff there is absolutely a mom who shouldn't be expected to do that same yeah yeah like I love the movement that's happening now of women who are um, getting hysterectomies or getting like ovaries removed. And they're just like, fuck it. I'm not going to even test the waters of putting myself through that shit. Get that fucking shit out of me. I did that. Yep. Two months after Arthur was born, I'm like, let's go get my tubes removed. I'm done having babies. No more of this. Like, Did I you was... get a hysterectomy or? No, it's, um, a... God, there's another word for it. It's like a scalpelectomy, whatever. I don't oh, know. Oh, oh, they okay. like, they completely, like, I have no tubes. Gotcha. I still have my ovaries, but there's no, like, I still technically can get pregnant through IVF. Oh, Okay. But there is no connection between my my fallopian. Like, there's no fallopian tube. Oh, 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 oh. There's just, like, my eggs and my uterus, and there's no, like, bridge between the two. I see. Yeah. And I, apparently it lowers the risk of ovarian cancer. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I told my doctor, I'm like, I just, like, just tie them. He's like, why don't we just remove them? I'm like, great, remove them. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. I'm not, I don't want any more kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and... Uh, yeah, it's it's insane the amount of change that your body goes through yeah. from having a child. Like, I, I, I honestly the only the only like kind of comparison that I have is when I was on those adult mental health units. Yeah, and you're I'm a full grown adult. I'm 32 years old, but I'm walking around holding a pillow and asking a nurse younger than me for coloring pencils <laughs> and it's like that that yeah. juxtaposition it's so fucking weird mm-hmm. growing a human being inside of you that's the only like kind of comparison that i can have is like something about this just feels like nothing i, I don't know what other worldly thing to compare this to right now yeah i'm a sane adult that is very seriously being treated like a child. Yeah. You it's because you there you do need to be treated gently when you're going through all of that because it's there's just so much pressure in society and like you're not only only battling your own self expectations, you're also battling other people's expectations because being a stay-at-home mom does have a like it's not seen as a great job. Like, yeah. well, it, and like, you're fucked from all angles. Yeah. Like, if there's a group of women that are like, you're fucking bringing us down and, or what do they call it? Um, um setting the clock back or yeah. whatever the fuck. Like, and not only that, like, if because I took a break, like, I was really worried about. Sorry, I get paranoid. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> like, because I took a break between, like, there was like a two or three year gap in my career, right? Okay. So I was kind of worried about like getting a job. Like, am I going to be able to get that job back? 
like be where I was before. Mm-hmm. And turns out I was able to because I found a female owned and operated company that was super understanding. They're like, we get it. It's trying times. And not to mention like there's no like apparel manufacturing industry in Minnesota. So the fact that I had this like immaculate background coming from <laughs> California, like, yes, we want you. We need you. When can you start? <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. So I'm really happy with like being able to find that. And I found it in such a like a quick turnaround time too. Like I updated my resume and then like I interviewed at like seven different places and I got, no, I applied at seven different places, got an interview at four different places, actually got the job at all four different places. Holy shit. I know. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. It's actually rather easy to get a job. I didn't know this. <laughs> should have done this a year ago. Um, but you're right. It, like it does, there's so many stigmas that you have to face because um, stay at home mom is not a great, um, it doesn't, people look down on it. Yeah. So like it's when, seen as like giving up. Yeah. You're, you're surrendering your ability yeah. to provide for yourself. Exactly. And so when I would be with Jeremy and we'd be in a, like a social setting, like, oh, Jeremy's a brew. What do you do? And I'm like, uh, I'm a stay at home mom. And like he thought the world of it because he knew how tough it was. And he was so proud of me being a- because we were able to provide for our children um, like facilitate like the stay at home distant learning and like be at home with Arthur from newborn. We save so much money in daycare because getting oh, newborns and daycare is so fucking expensive. So he was really like impressed and proud that like I was able to do that um, for our kids. And I am too. I loved it, but I also hated it for myself. Like it, I felt worthless. Mm. I'm sure my kids didn't know that. Oh, never. And I'm sure they got a lot out of it, like, especially with, like, a parent being home. Like, I felt so connected to them. Yeah. And I felt – it was awesome. Like, oh, it's, like, a Thursday. Everyone's at work. And I'm, like, I'm going to a museum with the kids. It was kind of (laughs) awesome, too, and like, in a lot of ways. But I – I had a very negative mindset about it in social settings because I could see that other people had a negative mindset. And that's one of the things that I'm working on for – myself is that I can't let other people's views dictate how I feel about myself. So although they may have a negative outlook on what a stay-at-home mom is or like that you've given up or whatever, I know in my mind it's a really fucking tough job to do. And I am impressed with every single person out there, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, guardian, whatever. It's a really fucking hard job to do. And you need something else other than talking to kids all day. You need <laughs> other people. Because I've noticed that, too, like, if um, you stay at home with kids or oh, if yeah. you work with kids, those people will talk your ear off. And I love it because I'm <laughs> I'm not very a social person, but it's like, yes, talk to me. I'll talk to you about kids all day. I've done it. I totally understand. Like, let's go hang out. Let's go grab a beer because they just they need a social setting so oh, badly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they've been around kids all day. And that's how I've been in that position. And it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love. So I was a stay-at-home dad for like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I was doing photography along with that. Um, But for the most part, because the shoot, you know, if I shoot a wedding, if it's a fucking monster wedding, 14 hours, which is insane. But after that, 
I'm, I'm at home for like a month. So all of the, like the majority of the work is done on the computer yeah. at home. Yeah. So I'm at home and able to pick up the kids and, and do all that shit. Mm-hmm. And, but like, it's funny after like, I, I went through some injuries and stuff. I stopped caring about h- how people viewed me. Mm-hmm. And I started to like, I love like self-deprecating humor. Like I have this joke where if you don't like self-deprecating humor, then I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> um, but like when I would say that I'm a stay-at-home dad and I, dudes would look at me and I'd be like, fucking rules, man. It's the best. But and- the thing about <laughs> that is stay-at-home dad is seen as sexy. Stay-at-home mom is seen as a slob. Wow. Yeah. There's different – it's – yeah, it's different stigmas. I never thought of that. Yeah. I mean, could because the majority of like the heat that I was getting was like laziness. Mm. Well, maybe. But I could, that could be that it was I mean, I don't know, it's weird because there were moms that like made it seem like you're not supposed to be a part of this club. And mm. or, like I would say like I'm the only stay-at-home mom with a beard. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know i i got it's a it's another luxury of being like a straight white male yeah is the fact that it's like wow yeah i'm comp- totally shameless about what i get to do mm-hmm. like sweatpants every single day mm-hmm. like i don't i don't fucking care and yeah. it's great like there's no there weren't when when I made it obvious to people that like the hyper like masculinity shit like I don't care about, then it's like, well, what do we have to make you feel bad about? Yeah. You got to give us something so we can make you feel shameful. And I was like, I'm an alcoholic, but we won't find that out for like another four years. So. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that was so like when I thought about it, like because I started to notice after I did that. Mm-hmm. And I started to hear people say, I'm a stay-at-home mom. There was this, like, reservation. Mm-hmm. And lucky me, I get to go, oh, that fucking rules. Like, yeah. like the this thing and, like, being able to do comparisons. But other people's reactions, I could totally see that, like, oh, you guys don't get it. It's really fucking hard. <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. You get to hang out with your kids all day. And, like, you get to see life through their eyes. But, like... It's also really, it's mentally exhausting because you're you're meeting someone else's needs twenty four seven. So like, I can't even poop by myself. Yeah, like I have to poop with the door open, make sure there's like a pile of toys in front of me because I, I my kid was like one. I'm like, Please. that's a, I I ne- I would uh, I still never I never lock the door when I go to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and my wife does though because. She learned that like this is the only time that yeah. <laughs> I want to be alone. Yeah. So she's conditioned to always lock the door. Yeah. If someone else is home, I will close the door. I won't lock it, but I'll close it. <laughs> but if I'm home alone, doors wide open. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on in, smell my stench. <laughs> That's actually the only time that I lock the door because I'm paranoid that somebody's in the house. In the bathroom? Anywhere. And they're going to hear, they're going to notice that I'm in the bathroom and they're going to charge in and I'm going to be like, fuck, I didn't lock the door. 
You can hear all that grunting in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, so when you go through that, like, I can tell that you recognize these things. Mm -hmm. Did you recognize them after the fact or did you make moves on improving your mental health? Like, like, do you do check-ins or therapy or anything? Not really. I did therapy. I did couples therapy in California. Um, and then I didn't, we're, I'm doing couples therapy again. And I most recently have my own personal therapy. I think she fired me though. Cause all I do is just, all I do is just talk. That's what you're supposed to I do. Know, but like I talk her ear off and I think she gets like very little like edge into like how I'm communicating or how I'm coming across. Uh. And I think she's getting a little frustrated with me. <laughs> she's like one of those clients. She's like, all I have to do is listen to her talk and I get paid. It's, it's fine with me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I wasn't in therapy then. And I don't I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong with me and my mental health. But I had a hard time um, voicing it and finding the words to tell someone else there's something wrong with me. And I would get annoyed because my husband would be like, I know what you need to do. If you need a job, get a job. He was doing his best to be as supportive as possible. And I'm just like, you sound like a broken record. Stop telling me what I need to do. I just need you to listen to me. (laughs) You know, like it was one of those things. Like, I don't need you to fix my problems. I need you to listen to me. And I had a really hard time, like, expressing that. You know why, though? Why? Is because, like, from his perspective, the answer is this. Mm -hmm. So... Buck up, keep your chin up, because once you get this thing, then all of our problems are solved. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a certain type of individual, like, Melon is, is a lot like that. Like, mm-hmm. because he's such a hardworking, like, he's always done, as far as I know, manual labor. And so, there's this mindset of, like, you just got to push through it, because afterwards, once you clock out, then you're done. Yeah. And, like, you get to relax. And so, like, there's all of these, like, learned experience things where, mm-hmm. like, the assumption is I know the amount of relief that I feel from I go do my job. I'm really good at it. And then when I'm home, ah, relax. And, like, right. everything's totally fine. Yeah. So once you have that, everything's going to be totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have that. Like, I wasn't. I wasn't leaving the house to do anything for myself. There was no break. Um, Because at the time, like, Edison wasn't napping anymore, but my younger one was. But, like, (laughs) he didn't want to nap by himself, so I had to hold him to nap. So it was just kind of like I – there's – sometimes you just get so touched out. So I was getting touched out. There was, like – I. I couldn't reach out to anybody really because some of my friends are educators, so they're working, mm. you know, and COVID's happening. So I felt uncomfortable t- going places, especially right. with the kids. Um, Jeremy's, you know, working. Um, Could you pull that a little bit closer? Sorry. I don't no, know. Okay. It, it moves. It, like, yeah. does it moving away from me? Well, they're rocking chairs. So, oh, yeah. Are when you do this, these, these move. <laughs> Any little bounce that like just kind of slowly bounce, 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 bounce. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. It does. See, yeah, I'm glad we we have it on camera, folks. <laughs> Normally, you'd have to fast forward to see it happen. I was wondering. I'm like, I feel like it's 
getting further away <laughs> from my face. Um, but yeah, anyway, so I just, I, like, I understand my husband's frustration with me during that time because it's like watching someone drown themselves. Like, right. I don't understand what's wrong with you. You're just, you just want to live in a pit of misery, pick yourself up and move forward. And yeah. like, he's wanting to fix it. But I like couldn't communicate. Like I am paralyzed by this depression, by my mental health. I don't, it's not that I, I, I know what I need to do, but I don't know how to get myself motivated enough to move forward because it's not that I'm procrastinating. It's just that I'm stuck. Yes. So before I admitted that I was an alcoholic, like, so I was on the, that mental health unit for seven or eight days and I couldn't get myself to admit it to uh, want to change. So I Mm -hmm. said, when they asked me, like, if I'll go to treatment, I was like, I don't want to, but I want the desire to want to. Yeah. So like, otherwise there's it feels like this wall like yeah and i would have to say like i genuinely don't know what sobriety looks like Mm -hmm. i don't know what like accepting this looks like it's completely foreign to me so i just want to want to take that step so help help me get to there and also like the possibilities is so overwhelming like for me it was there's covid I have to put one kid in daycare and the other one's going to go to kindergarten and we don't know what that's going to look like because he's been doing distant learning for like the past year and a half. So what does going to public school, what is that going to do to him? Is he going to get COVID? Is my other kid going to get COVID going to daycare? Like everything was just so overwhelming, blowed up more than anything before. Yeah. and so, yeah, I understand, like, it, it's it's paralyzing. It's not that you're procrastinating. It's paralyzing because you don't know what it's going to look like. And so you're too busy worrying about all of these other possibilities. Catastrophizing. Yes. And you can't focus on how to move forward. Yes. And like I said before, like, sometimes you just need to pick a direction. Either you're going to self-destruct which you're just going to get worse or you're just going to like live in, you know, all this negative stuff is going to, my husband's going to leave me. I'm going to get my (laughs) CPS is going to get called on me. My kids are going to get taken away. Oh (laughs) my God. No, live in a cardboard box. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Or I'm going to move forward and I don't know what happened. I don't know if like, I just, sometimes I feel like I just need to talk myself sick out of it. And, um, just like wear people out by it. Like, I'm so sick of talking to you about it. Stories just move forward. Like, you know, like figure it out. (laughs) Right. And I think that's kind of how I personally move through my mental health, but I'm also learning like most people don't have the capacity to deal with my neurotic. Well, it sounds like you've got like anxiety. Yes, I do. I have like, so are you extroverted? No, not at all. It's Which funny is, because you talk like an extrovert. Yes, I'm like an extra. <laughs> I'm like an intro extroverted introvert. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. So I've learned that there are people who, um, they in like like public situations, they go, okay, I'm supposed to talk, so just keep on going until the interaction is over. Yeah, and then it's over. Like so, yeah. I I get that. Like yeah. I would say more than anything, I'm really good about being a chameleon. Ooh. Yes. So, like, 
Obviously, I have to do a lot of socializing when I'm with my husband because he's a really rather cool dude and is a brewer and like people want to come up and talk to him and then they'll talk to me and I'm like smiling and nodding. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really I, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about the brewing industry, but like I I try to like be nice so they don't think I'm like, you know, Jeremy's wife is some stuck up bitch. I'm really not. I'm really Dude, like, I- there's so many parallels between you and Kim. When I was doing comedy, she had the same thing. I started running shows and mm-hmm. I started hosting shows. And so there would be just gobs and gobs of people and she would have to do the same thing. They'd be like, oh, you're Chris's wife? Why? Yeah. You're way more attractive. Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so like, because they're comedians, they would like... So they would step up the way that they would talk to her. Yeah. And so she had to figure out how to match that. Yeah. And so like, but it's totally not what she's used to. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I talk to all different types of people and it it does get exhausting. Like that's not how I recharge my batteries. I don't recharge my batteries. And like, sometimes I do. Sometimes I'm so stuck in the house where I'm like, I need to get out. <laughs> I don't care what I do. I just, I need to go out with someone. I don't know. <laughs> let's go do laser tag. Let's, let's go drink a lot of wine. <laughs> laser tag. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, but sometimes like in a social setting, like it, if I'm at a party and there's a lot of people, I'm going to be the person in the corner with the dog. Yes. That's me. I'll let other people do their stuff. And like Jeremy's totally fine. Like he'll talk to people. He loves socializing. He's so good at it. Dude, I I'm curious. I do this too. Like, um, if a baby is at a party, immediately. Oh yeah. I'm like, baby, let me hold baby. Oh. Because like it's such a quick way for people to go, oh, look at him. He's he's good with kids. And then like but also, they're like, he's also touching a baby. And I don't want to do that right now. I want to talk to adults. <laughs> so, like, I only have to interact with, like, two or three people. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Find a baby. Find a baby. <laughs> Find a baby attached to self to baby. <laughs> and then give baby back when I'm ready to run yes, away. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'm the person in the corner with the dog. Now the baby. <laughs> But, like, if it's one-on-one or if it's, like, a few people, say, um, for example, there's, like, a a couple that is fairly new to Minnesota that just started going to the tap room. And mm. I – and they're very nice people. Don't, like – and but it took me a really long time to, like, warm up to them because other people knew them and have gotten close to them. And so mm. I felt like my level of knowingness them wasn't matched. So it took me a very – it took me a couple times of like being around them to feel comfortable enough to like open up and like become friends with them. It goes back to knowing the handshakes. Yes. Those Mormon handshakes. <laughs> <laughs> Which are technically Mason handshakes. Uh, yeah, you know, I just it's all But you just, know what I mean? Like there's that disconnect and yeah. when you watch someone else do it so quick, yeah. you feel alienated yes. immediately. Yes. And sometimes, like, you kind of have to talk yourself up. Like, you kind of have to, like, prep yourself going into a social setting. Like, all right, we're going to go do this. There's going to be an X amount of people here. 
don't be weird and attach yourself to one person. <laughs> like, you got to let them go. Don't be that weird person just drinks and watches people in the corner. Which was my New Year's, by the way. I was so fucking tired. <laughs> like, I had, like, food poisoning, oh. like, the night before. So I was up since, like, 2 a.m. And then I'm going to, like, a New Year's party at the tap room. And, like, I, like, food poisoning's gone and done. Like, I'm fine. I'm healthy. But I'm really fucking tired, right? Mm. And I'm, like, I am so exhausted. But I'm coming here because, like, I want to hang out and, like, have a good time. And someone's watching the kids. I don't really want to be at home with them. (laughs) And, like, people are getting more and more drunk. And I'm sober because I don't really trust drinking at that point. Right. So I'm, like, drinking juice and water and maybe having, like, one very tiny shot glass of beer (laughs) and um i'm happy for other people but like i'm also noticing myself like i am the quiet person sitting at the bar while other people are having fun around me and like more power to them i'm happy to be in that environment but Mm -hmm. i'm like but then as the night goes on and it's after midnight and people are still there they're coming up and talking to me and I'm like, mm -hmm." (laughs) i'm like so exhausted and like struggling to be like to socialize yeah and now i'm realizing i'm coming across as you know that stuck up bitch right because you know everyone's got that rbf i think i have it more than others it's so funny i like almost every person that i've talked to says the same thing that like so that whole rbf thing like a dude looks scary. Yes. But a a girl or a woman is a bitch. Yep. Like they they're intimidating and I I don't want to communicate with that guy. Yeah. Like they scare me. But a woman it's totally fine to just judge and be like I'm not talking to that bitch. Yeah. Like it sucks and so if you're not smiling, yeah, then that immediate thought in your head is like, "Oh fuck, everybody's going to think I'm an asshole or I'm yeah. a bitch." And I hate that. Sometimes I'm okay with it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I am. I mean, I've gotten a lot of things like, oh, I didn't want to talk to you because I don't know how to pronounce your name. Or, oh, I didn't want to talk to you because you have RBF. Or, I don't know. A lot of the times what I get is, um, because Jeremy is so tall. Yeah. I'm very short. So they'll be like, oh, you're so short. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> I am. I stopped growing like a year ago. No, I'm just kidding. Dude, my doctor, when I was 16, I had sprained my ankle or fractured it. I can't remember. But he'd taken an x-ray and he goes, oh, look at that. And he points and he's like, you see how there's like just a little white spot on, on your ankle here? That means you're almost done growing. <laughs> and I was like, dude, that, that's horrible news. Why are you so happy about it? Yeah, does that mean I'm shrinking? What do you mean growing? Oh, fuck. <laughs> so I always say I'm average housewife height. Yeah, no, um, I'm pretty sure both of my kids are going to be taller than me. That's the hope. I would, it would really suck for them if they were short guys. <laughs> my son is 12 he's gonna be 13 in may and we wear the same shoe size oh wow yeah so i'm definitely hoping that he's taller than me my uh my one and a half year old is like oh but wait hold on we got off track that's my add we We were talking about the whole uh like concept of 
like your facial expression. Oh yes, RBF, my facial expression and how that attracts that how how that prompts people whether to approach me or not. Mm. Yeah, so I'm New Year's, I'm sitting at a bar and um another person, I'm like tired as fuck, so expressionless, <laughs> right? Not drinking that much, very sober, <laughs> tired. Um and this guy approaches me and I I know that he is I've seen him before. I met him before. I can't remember his name, um, but I know he's like a friend of the tap room. And I felt after that conversation with him, like he was he was trying to have this conversation with me about his tap room and like how he's really excited for all this changing stuff. And I'm trying to engage. But I'm so tired and I'm struggling to like um, just focus and be present. Pre- yeah, be present and um happy like have a happy demeanor yeah and instead of like a tired like i'm so done demeanor mm-hmm. and i'm i'm again sober not drunk he's very drunk because he's having a good time it's new right. year's um and well and brewers at other tap rooms if oh do they're they they're like i'm not i'm not working yeah i'm gonna drink yeah they're they're a hoot they're all fun <laughs> fun fun bunch of peeps um but I, like after that conversation with him, I just had the feeling like, oh, he's gonna walk away from this conversation that Jeremy's wife's a bitch. Yeah. Like, God damn it! So having that added pressure of being someone who being affiliated with someone who is known in the community now, especially like a tight knit community, a brewery, and yeah. in like the city, I don't want to give off that impression that I'm a bitch. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> so basically you you have to be like a politician. Yeah. So it's like I have to be present. I have to I don't know, communicate well and not be overwhelming, not be too much of any type of thing. Does that oh, make sense? Yeah, yep. Yeah, like I can't be I have to have a filter, but I can't be too stiff. Um I can't I can't obviously talk about like I don't know, tossing someone salad with crumpets, <laughs> <laughs> croutons, or whatever. Oh, crumpets. Yes. <laughs> Pass the gravy on, please. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just um, sometimes it's a little much and it's a little overwhelming, but I feel like over time and with age, <laughs> I've gotten a little bit better about, you know, like I said, being a chameleon. Um, so, but but it, what does that do for you personally? Because I feel like you're. It sounds like you're still having to mold and shape yourself yeah. to meet others' needs. At times, yes, um, because because right now you're it's your your social interactions are more survival mode than <laughs> you know what I mean than like yes. a genuine social interaction. Yeah, not all the time though. I mean, generally when I go to the tap room, I know I have to be like on, but <laughs> like especially if there's other people that I may not know well, but Jeremy knows and they're like a friend to the tap room, then yeah, I need to be like a little bit more, you know, I need to introduce normal. you to some homies of mine. I have friends that I like. Oh, no, no, no. What I'm saying is I have this, this, this friend who she just immediately says what's going on. Like in the sense of like, so that party that you were talking about yeah. where you're exhausted. Yeah. She'll just, somebody comes up to interact. Hey, just so you know, I'm exhausted, so I may not be 
at 100 percent right now like she just adapted this and she had has done it for so long now that people i I call her boss she's never been my boss but like (laughs) she just does it in a way that you're like you know what's going on yeah and it's not that she's trying to be a dick. No, she's yeah. just letting you know that she's like, communicating and she does it very well. Yeah. And that's so smart. And I should start implementing that in my day to day. Like, I work, I'm a project manager. Mm. So I do have to communicate with a lot of clients daily. And I'm learning how to communicate well with them. And um, sometimes it's just, it's so simple. And one of the things that I learned um, going through therapy and even through preschool with my kid is our children learn how to communicate through us as adults. And kids know how to communicate very well. They say whatever the fuck is on their mind. They have no problem. They go up to someone, hey, you want to be my friend? They don't know this person. You want to be my friend? Let's go over to like the jungle gym and play snakes. I'm a snake now. Like whatever. They have like... There's no judgment. Who cares? Like, they're totally awesome about it. My mom still brings that up, how, like, anywhere that they would take me, I would do that. Yeah. And I'm, as an adult, still doing it. Yeah. Like, more or less. Like, like, I'm sure I said some weird shit to you at the initial session that you were at. Uh, You were, from what I remember, like, you were very welcoming and like very warm and I was like oh he's really nice and it made it easier for me to open up so I kind of like base my personality and my presence and like how I communicate to others based off how they're communicating to me Ah. so like if they're kind of standoffish then I'm gonna be standoffish Hmm. if they're like more forward then I'll be more forward that's why I'm kind of like okay that's what I mean a little bit by a chameleon like I kind of base how I interact with other people, I read the room, I assess, and then I approach. See, I do that too, but from this thing that I've done mm-hmm. as a wee lass, I've now integrated it into <laughs> when I speak to adults, like I'll do something to break their wall down rather than. Yeah. So, my reading the room is I can say X amount of inappropriate things to this person yeah. and then we'll be on the same playing field. Yeah. Or I can say I've learned like what mundane inappropriate things are or not. It's not that they're inappropriate, but it's like busting balls for complete strangers. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, a ta- so I have like this, I need to like lower your walls as quickly as possible. And I, it's because I, I mean, codependency, ADHD, all of these things. Yeah. It's really like when you get down to it, it's because I want everyone to love me. So Yeah. Don't we all I mean, I <laughs> I have struggled with codependency as well. Um, that boyfriend I was talking to you earlier mm. about, my yeah. my asshole ex boyfriend. <laughs> That's a whole story and a half in itself. <laughs> um he I mean, I can sit here and analyze that relationship all day long, but from like, we were together from when I was 15 to 22. Ooh. Yeah, it was a very long relationship. And during high school. like Those that, are very important years. Yes. Um, and by the end of it, I just never felt like I was good enough, smart enough, skinny enough, motivated enough for him. 
And it didn't help that at the end of that relationship, he gave me like a list of things that I needed to improve on. And then we were like in this weird probation period of our relationship. And then he ended it during spring break of like our six years together or something were like that. Were you dating the manager of a Dairy Queen? <laughs> right? What the so, fuck? I know, right? He was total dick towards the end of it. I'm sure he's grown by now, but That's so weird. Yeah. Gosh. So like the code when you when you talk about codependency with yeah. him, like even though you're being made aware of these shitty things, yep. it's like so are you saying like you wanted to improve and like couldn't leave, like felt like you couldn't leave? Yeah, it was that like <clears throat> I we had been together for so long and in my mind, I loved him and I'm sure I did, but I was already putting in 100 and 50% into that relationship because he wasn't putting in as much. Mm. And because I never, I felt all of those. Thank you. (laughs) Because I felt all those lacking things about myself. I created this like codependent relationship. Like I was very codependent on him. Like I couldn't do anything without his approval. Uh. Whenever I had a thought, I would always like look to him to make sure I was like doing something correctly. We had the same friends because we went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. And then he started like, you know, having this whole other life because he was going to college. I mean, I went to college too, but like I graduated, I went to a trade school, so I was already in the industry oh, oh, gotcha. and did things rather quickly. And um Devil Wears Prada. Right. Right. Yes. Devil wears not. I'm more like it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. That's I'm... fucking great. I've never heard that. <laughs> yeah, it was like a big porn, wasn't it? I don't know. I mean, I'm not the porn addict here, so I feel like you're projecting. That's that's another talk. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> that's another talk. No, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> um, I remember Whore of the Rings when Lord of the Rings came oh, out. Oh, I've never heard of that Super one. Super funny. Um, Armageddon. Yes. Yes. Classic. Right? Classic. Uh, there was. I feel like there's more. <laughs> Land, Land before slime. The dinosaur porn. Oh. I'm kidding. That's a bad one. Uh, I've never heard of that one before. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um. So yeah, a lot of my codependency issues like kind of derived from that relationship at such a young age, which was the reason why I like sloozed it out. <laughs> Between that relationship and then meeting Jeremy. Okay. There was like, I had boyfriends in between, but it was like two years is not really a long enough time, but let's just say my hole has seen a lot of rats <laughs> in that quick period of time. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, God, how did Ali Wong had a good, like, uh, an- do you know who Ali Wong is? Yeah. She had this fucking hilarious analogy for like, she had, <laughs> her festival had a lot of participants or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. It's very funny. And so she's like, how am I supposed to know if a couple homeless guys like slip in through there? Like <laughs> <laughs> so many in the crowd. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've experienced a lot in that short two years. I've, I've realized a lot about men. A lot of shitty things have happened to me. Um, a lot of great things have happened to me, but it was all about like self-discovery and like exploring my own sexuality and being in control of it most of the time, maybe like an exception of a few times I wasn't in control, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Um, 
Well, and I mean, you're you're getting small glimpses of like like a different community. Yeah. Like you're, I mean, depending on like if you're like packing your shit up and leaving before the sun rises, or like what the scenario was. Yeah. If it's a scenario where you are safe enough to like somebody stays the night somewhere and you learn this little tidbit and you're like, oh, a little window into this other world. How cool. Yeah. I remember like I would go like Fridays and Saturdays. I would probably like set up like two or three dates a night. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sundays I would I'd always save for myself. I'd go to this like sweet little ice cream shop and like eat it at the park and then afterwards I'd go to the Vista movie theater and watch a movie by myself and then Wait a second. Are you Zoe Deschanel? No, I'm not. Five hundred days of summer? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I think this was actually before that movie. No. <laughs> no, it was after, but I don't yeah. Um, yeah, and then I just go home and like smoke a bowl. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. So, like, I dated myself, too. So, I, although it was, like, you know, (coughs) fucking around, I was also fucking around with myself, too. (laughs) Self-love is the best love. Yeah. Well, it's it's incredibly important because when you're left alone, like, in scenarios where, uh, like, people like myself who are, like, fairly, like, codependent, when you're truly forced to be alone, like... If you don't know how to take care of yourself, yeah, you're going to be in serious trouble like yeah. pretty quickly. So yeah, it's super important. Yeah, and when I was in that relationship, like I couldn't even go to the mall by myself. It felt really weird for me to be alone, to do anything by myself. I had to do it with him. Hmm. Like I didn't know how to do these things. Not that I didn't know how to do them, but it's just like I you've been conditioned exactly in a weird way and I don't know if that was like his doing or my doing I don't know what happened it's not always a conscious thing yeah but like uh, it's usually it usually stems from the parents like that type of shit like or if they idolize somebody or like a a character or an, an ideology like and then they think that they can apply it to their lives and that equals success there's there's like a billion different things that it can be. But yeah. A lot of times like it circles around like these three things. Like, yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. But I feel like because I, I made sure like Sundays are reserved for me, it's me time. Um, I got to know myself and I learned I was capable of doing those things. Like I used to take furniture off of the street and refurbish it. No way. I'm like, one of these days I'm going to get like bed lice. did you put denim lice. on it? No, I didn't. <laughs> I never did denim. I'm like pretty sure one of these days I'm going to get like bed bugs or something. Oh, I don't yeah. know. But I mean, I love doing that stuff and I did a lot of art and painting or whatever. Um, I'd go to bars by myself and just like draw cartoons and then like... Maybe get too drunk and then some guy's walking me home. I like, I was, because I was in that relationship for so long. And when I did start going to bars by myself, which I, I love doing and I'll still do it to this day, um, I didn't understand that like inviting someone back to my apartment for water meant something else. Mm. I didn't get that because I was single, like I was in a relationship for so long. I didn't know what dating was. Yeah. And then I realized it when some guy was in, he's like, so, and I'm like, oh. No, 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 no. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Oofta. Which is scary as fuck. Yeah. It was really weird. So then I learned not to, if I was drinking, to make sure that someone knew where I was, to text them when I got home. <laughs> 
And not to invite strangers back into my house. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I could go on and on about like, there's every, I mean, I guess for the last like 10 years, like I've been, my eyes have been open to like just how terrifying it is to be a female. Like, it's, and it's so wildly unfair. Yeah. And when people, like there's meninists, right? Mm-hmm. We're like, I'm a feminist, but for bad. So dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> when they bring up the statistics of like, you know, a man is just as likely to be attacked, you know, in this situation, da da da. I'm always like, but who are they being attacked by? It's another man. So yeah. all you're doing is showcasing that not only are <laughs> women not safe around men, but men aren't safe around men. Yeah. Like, it's just a. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's very scary. Um, I would take public transportation. I used to take the subway to work because, um, yeah, it was like a four-minute walk to the subway station and an eight-minute like little subway trolley. So like every Monday, I would drive to work and leave my car at work. Oh, okay, okay. And then I would never use it during the week. Um, and if I needed it, I could just drive back home. And then Fridays, I would drive back home. So I would just take the subway back and forth between work. Um but, man, yeah, being on the subway and being a female, like, don't sit down because some weird guy is going to sit next to you. He's going to ignore the fact that you have headphones on. Oh, of course. Um, He's going to try and talk to you. Or, like, if you are – like, I've gotten felt up by guys standing up. Like, some guy, like, rubbing his hands all over, like, my body. And I'm like, ooh, icky, gross, why are you touching me? Um. But, like, even just, like, walking down the street, like, late at night, like, I I can't do that. I remember walking down the street, like, late at night, coming home from a bar, like, on my way to see, like, a, maybe a friend or something, and there, I can hear a guy behind me, and even though he was on his phone, but... Like, and I thought he was talking to me. He was like, oh, hey, baby. And I'm like, I'm not your baby. And then he starts, like, fucking screaming at me and, like, berating me. And now I'm, like, running because I'm scared he's actually going to hurt me. And then I'm like, I'm not wearing heels anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not fun being – sometimes it's fun being a female, but <laughs> sometimes it's not. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that, like, it's always funny to me. Like when when people say like uh, the whole like cancel culture thing and how the Me Too movement like what about dudes that are like falsely accused? If yeah. it happens, which it's super fucking rare. Yeah. If one guy goes down, and that saves twenty to a hundred women, then I'm willing to let that guy go down. Like, yeah. if there's going to be casualties on either side, let there be the few on the male side, because that's potentially saving way the fuck more women than it's hurting this one person. It sucks. Yeah. But ten, five women living with being raped is, <laughs> like, I, that's a gamble that I'm willing to take. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I totally get that. I've, I've never been raped i mean there was one time where i took i met a guy for an okay cupid date and we went out to a, like to see a concert it was like some band that he knew or whatever and then we ended up back at my place and he had like whiskey dick and he couldn't get it up so he ended up like staying over in the night and then i wake up and the next morning and his penis is inside of me 
Mm. when I was passed out of sleep. And I'm like, I like I know we tried to do this last night, but it's kind of weird that you're trying to do it now yeah. without me. Like I, you, I wasn't conscious when this started. It's not like we paused a movie. Yeah. Like it was just like, there was no like, there was no anything before. It was just like, I wake up and you're inside me. Like, that's not how this works. Like I have to like be involved in that decision. Yeah. Like, I, it was just, it was very strange. And then, like, I don't know. Uh, the, uh, I hate, like. I don't, I don't know if that's technically rape. Well, okay. I, like, I, I don't know if that's considered rape. So here's the thing. It, any situation where you didn't give the thumbs up. Yeah. No. It, it It's, it's rape. So yeah. the other thing is that if you felt like you were unsure as to what was going to happen mm-hmm. if you said, whoa, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And so you're like, all right, well, I guess this is happening. And you just went with it. Yeah. Like it, that's an unsafe scenario. Yeah. So it's unfair that that shit happens. Yeah. And like, like because somebody has told a story to another female and they're like, oh, yeah, that happened to me. And so somebody else is like, I guess I just when it happens to me, I just roll with it. Yeah. Like that type of conditioning shouldn't be happening. either. Yeah. And I think that I just then I didn't understand like what was actually happening. And because I've never experienced anything like that before. And I was like trying to. My, I will always try to see the best in people. Sure. And so in my mind, I was trying to like justify it from his point of view. Right. And not justify it from my point of view. Does that make sense? I don't know. I get what you're saying, but like the onus is not on you. Yeah. You're unconscious and somebody entered you. Yeah. Like if, if you left your door unlocked Mm -hmm. right and somebody walks in that's still on them yeah the fact that you left your door unlocked does not invite people to come into your house yeah so it's the same thing yeah this is where i get like super (laughs) worked up and like we're talking about rape (laughs) and like okay we gotta cut this off we've been going for two and a half hours Luckily, though, because I'm going to cut all that denim shit out because we got to the interesting shit. Not that denim isn't interesting. I can come back and talk about denim anytime you want. Do you know what Mario's favorite fabric is? Like Mario and Luigi? Mm-hmm. Is it denim? Denim, denim, denim. That's a good one. I don't think I've heard that. The whole time you were talking about denim, I was like, I would have land this fucking Mario joke. I never gave you the opportunity. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Aww. The the mental health stuff though, like I do like seriously. Yeah. It's it's a it's a huge thing. And it, especially in when you're in like an environment where it seems like if you try to bring up your what is perceived as like lack of achievement yep. in front of these people. If you bring yeah. that up is going to bring the mood down. Like you, you need a better support system. Yeah. Like a support system is hard to like get a good one. 
Yeah. But once you have it, like, God damn it, it's so vital. Yeah. If I didn't have the support system that I have, I for sure would be dead. Like, yeah. There's no way I would have made it through treatment and all of that shit. Like, yeah. Wildly important. Goes back to community. Yeah, it does. No, it absolutely does. Like, I remember there was a time where we went over to our neighbor's house for, like, some drinks. And um, the wife was, like, I mean, we were all drunk and a little high. <laughs> um, I think that's crunk. <laughs> crunk? As smoke's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I was pretty sure it was crunk. Um, but I just remember, like, towards the end of the night, she was asking me, like, oh, so you stay at home with the kids? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she's like, that's that's so awesome. And then she couldn't say anything more to it. Like, it, like, <laughs> like I couldn't... I couldn't add anything more to the conversation and I can tell by her voice like she couldn't add anything more. So it was just like a, a very like it ended the conversation fairly quickly. Yep, 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 yep. This yep. has plateaued immediately. Exactly. Like there's <laughs> nothing more we can do. It's time to go home. <laughs> That's like when uh when we go to not that we go to a lot, but like a social gathering and it's people that we don't know mm-hmm. and somebody offers me a drink and I say I don't drink. It's like you see them do like the two things where they're like, okay, they're either pregnant or an alcoholic. You're pregnant. I knew it. Exactly. And (laughs) like at the beginning of COVID, I gained a fuckload of weight. So I was like, (laughs) if you see me from the side, it's like a toss up. You you don't know. (laughs) But then like the conversation afterwards is like, for some reason they have to search their memory bank for another alcoholic that they know. Or they're questioning their own sobriety and they're like, ah, I don't normally drink like this. And it's like, the way that they do it is like when they meet a black person yeah, and they have to be like, I work, I work with a black guy. <laughs> yeah, It's like, they just don't know how to like, because yeah. it's, a, it's a projecting thing. Yeah. Like that person, I'm not like trying to cast judgment, but a lot of times they're going internally and going, I could never just be at home. I could like, so it's this yeah. thing of like, that, that's why they say like a lot of uh, bigots are like closeted homosexuals is because like there's this self hate and they're like, I could never fucking do that. Yeah. And it It's this. So it doesn't, I don't know. I, I don't really care anymore. <laughs> yeah. I know <laughs> the, what you mean. The only reason that I care is because it's like, you don't have to feel like you need to match me for some reason. Yeah. Just keep doing your thing. You're fine. Exactly. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to give you alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> if someone tells me that they're an alcoholic, I like just try to think, I'm like, what else do I have that I can give you? <laughs> it's not oh. like, it's not me thinking, do I know another alcoholic or am I questioning my own sobriety? Because sure, sometimes like maybe I do drink a little bit too much and then there goes my filter and then the fun, embarrassing series comes out. Um, but it's more of like, what else do I have that like, my mind will go. It's like when a vegetarian comes over. Exactly. Which would never happen. I'm just kidding. I'm okay with alcoholics. I'm not okay with vegans. <laughs> if you don't eat your steak raw, then we have a problem. Oh, you're vegetarian. That means you can have you can have chicken, right? Exactly. They're not animals anymore. They're not animals. <laughs> Okay, we've got to end this now. Okay. That was a good Minnesota goodbye. Yes. I'm, I'm excited that you have learned to integrate that. Yes. Um, is there any advice for mothers that you'd like to impart before we end this? Um, 
keep on keeping on. Um, your kids will definitely appreciate the time that you spend with them, especially during these trying times. Um, but it's also important to, like we've talked about, have a community, talk to other adults, um, actually like have like a, a plan. Like, okay, I know I'm going to be home with the kids Monday through Friday or this so many days. Make a plan for you to get out of the house and talk to other people and socialize or do something that or not socialize, do something that you want to do a certain amount of days during the week as well. Like you really do need to schedule that in your own life to stay sane. (laughs) Go get your nails done if you want. I don't know. (laughs) Go go do laser tag. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, sick. Again, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And to the listeners, be well to yourselves. I learned that from a Viking. A real Viking? Yeah. Oh. There's a video game. They're real. Vikings or the video games? Both. <laughs> <laughs>